And now, introducing the man who claims to have uncovered a vast government conspiracy he says has been working behind the scenes for decades, insisting, quote, there is no such thing as Bostonians, as they are in fact cyborgs designed to annoy and anger their countrymates in the most efficient manner, unquote. While he was impressed to see the so-called ginger assassin convert the first 710 split on TV in decades, he was mostly annoyed that, quote, the television crews have repeatedly ignored my invitations to broadcast the family bowling matches and requests to them to stop referring to me as, quote, the bumper humper. He is Glenn Clark. You know, I actually saw that video. and I've got, did. I've got a couple of thoughts. One, that w- there's no way that was just Rob's. Like, Rob Stone's a professional. I can't... He was yelling. Yeah. He was going wild. This makes me think it didn't actually happen live. It occurred, and then they wanted to get more of a... I don't know. I want to believe... I think that... Is it... I think... And here's what I will will right. posit based on my, I would say, well, minimal you, to literal oh no, you, zero you, understanding of bowling and bowling broadcasting. Guy, yeah. I've seen Kingpin many times. I love it. Right. Big Lebowski, fantastic. Yeah, Those are actually sure. two of my favorite comedies ever, and they're bowling-centric. Okay, I, let's not compare Kingpin to Kingpin I get it. The Big, Big Lebowski is perfect. Kingpin is, in my own it's way, silly, I, it's one of it's my favorite comedies and, of all time. Fine. It's lovely. All I love right. it. I love everything about it. That's right. it. Now, where are you headed, soldier? I know bowling-ish. Do you? No. Though... Okay. I, from what I gather, it was news to me that it was as rare as it was but, for okay, that to be converted. But specifically rare on television. <laughs> I don't know what like, that means, I mean, though. You know, like, I, this is what I'm saying. I've converted a 710 split, and I suck. That was the thing. I feel like I remember it made me rack my brain. I was like, I feel like I've come close. Oh, I've done it. And I, like, I just didn't think it was that big of a deal because it was goo. It was like the dude yeah, they did it over the weekend. It was dumb luck. The, 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 the pin just happened to bounce off a to ball. To be fair, though, you... You are not qualifying as the Red Assassin. Oh, I'm not that guy. No, yeah, sure. Yeah, gonna, he's got that going. You don't have the flair. And this is what I'm saying. Like, I'm not trying to say it's nothing. It's not nothing. But the reaction, I don't think, was warranted because the qualifier isn't. This never happens. So you would think maybe if a professional would, were doing this job, you would think that they would have probably had something filed away. No. For what they might have said during the seven ten split, no. or are you preparing I yourself? They, or I think that it maybe it was his dream as a bowling. I broadcaster. think if this happened live, sure. your reaction would have been something like, "Holy tamale!" No, I think it would have been like, <laughs> "Wow, that's cool. We don't get to see that very often on TV." I, I, I just don't believe that converting a seven ten split is nearly as rare as they're trying to make it out to be. Yes, it's weird that like it's never, it doesn't happen on TV. But again, what does that even mean? Like, I don't know what events are televised. I'm sure if Danny Wiseman's listening this morning, he's freaking out yeah, at me and, and screaming. Did we ever get those bowling pins? Yes, I've got them. I've when got are, the bowling pins. When are we going to just start throwing bit f- footballs per- at them? Perhaps on Juneteenth. Throwing a bit of a, a shindig. Oh, okay. So it might be a good day to do it. <laughs> okay. We're all getting vaccinated. We're, we're, we're th- it's what it is anymore. I'm throwing a party. It's what it is. If you don't want to come, you don't have to come. It's fine. I, I will not be mad at you, but I'm throwing a party. And I'm throwing it on Juneteenth. I don't know if you can celebrate Juneteenth. I'm not taking it. I already <laughs> had this kind. This was not my date. <laughs> it was requested by one AJ Francis. It helps. And let me make this very clear. I think all Americans should be celebrating I don't Juneteenth. That's we had this conversation about it. I said, AJ, am I am I allowed to throw a party on Juneteenth? He said, Why wouldn't you be celebrating Juneteenth? And I said, Oh, you're you're right. And this goes back to the, should we still be doing July 4th bit anymore? Or should Juneteenth just become the new July 4th? And if it does, I'm pretty sure we all celebrate it. 
I don't think that that's. Ex- I get. Why I know what you're saying. It's been a day that's been more significant sure. for the black community than it's been for us. But I would think that all Americans should want to celebrate a wonderful day in American history. I hear you. So we're celebrating it. That's on, the way it's working. On a tangent, I am going to a wedding on July 4th. Okay. Do I need to dress? Like, what is? How is this? Are people going to be dressed in to the I tees went, and patriotic? <laughs> like, should I dress I like Uncle Sam uh, for the wedding? Yeah. I would talk to the folks involved and see how they feel about it. I went to this is not. A, I went to a wedding on July 4th in Paris once. Interesting. Maine, yeah. Paris, they're yeah, similar. Very similar. Very similar, very similar, yeah. All right, hi, we're here in the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio Press Box. Busy first hour of the program today. Coming up in just a few minutes, Pat Fryermuth. Let's make sure it's Fryermuth. Like, I'm just assuming that that's what it is, but let's confirm. Could be Fryermuth. Muth. And that's the type of thing that nobody would ever know the difference between. And he's heard it and gotten both. I'm sure yeah, he's probably. Let's just, I get it. Let's we like just, to be respectful. Yes, yes. We're trying to be respectful chaps. So we'll do that. Um, Pat Frymuth is one of the top tight ends in this year's NFL draft. He is a Penn State alum. He will check in with us later on this hour. Also this hour, Steve Sands from the Golf Channel. Hideki Matsuyama wins the Masters. Um, in golf circles, that seems to be uh, thought of and cool. In the rest of the world, no one gave a rat's ass. Well, not That's the rest of the world. Sorry, in the rest Fair. of – well – it's more important internationally you, than it is here. You say that I don't know. Like, I don't. We don't know how to measure it. We it, don't know I, any of that. But like I imagine in Japan, it was a very big deal. I, I don't. I'm gonna say this, and this is just gonna be me. I don't know how big of a deal golf is in Japan. I right? would think that it's I not think it's, a big deal, really. But I think they're still aware of their nationals. I'm not in trying the to say they did anything. You know? I, I think they liked it, but like I'm trying to make a comparison here. I, if an American won a cricket championship, I and I'm, I'm not trying right. to make, that's not a fair comparison because yeah. people golf in Japan. God, what what is the fair comparison? I don't know, but this here? is this is whether I, right or right or not. This is the pinnacle, right? Like this is the top one it that is. you can win. I understand. I understand that. I just I don't know, and I'm not trying to say that means that it's not or that it, they don't. They definitely care. Let me make that very clear. They definitely care. How is it the biggest story in Japan today, or is it's probably it the lead sports story? I probably. Probably is, but I just don't. I don't sure. know that. I don't know that it's. You know, that's not. I'm saying that outside of the hardcore, and it's not just about Hideki Matsuyama. It's about the fact that the the Sunday leaderboard sure. had zero relevance and outside of ardent golf fans. And there was such a gap between first and second that it was like, well, why even? Like, well, that was yeah. Beyond it wasn't, even caring it about wasn't the names, particularly right. compelling. On top of that, that's fine. But there was just no. If you're a casual sports fan. There was nothing that made you interested in the Masters this weekend, and that's not a. It's not if if you love the Masters, you love the Masters. I if tuned in golf, just to watch and have the spectacle for a little bit, and it, just it, to see. It got. It got. It was briefly on in the background for a minute when I got pissed off again at the Orioles game. When I got pissed sure, off again after the Orioles got back to ten seven, and then they gave up four more runs. I briefly flipped over just to see what was happening, and I said, "Boys, why don't we go play some putt putt?" That's how my Sunday went. So I got very little, but I get it. It's a thing that happens, so we'll talk to Steve Sands about it. We'll also talk about the fact that the BMW Championship is coming to Caves Valley this August. What should we expect? Who's going to be in the field? How does Caves play? All those things. We'll talk about that with Steve Sands. Uh, Terry Hasseltine is going to check in with us. Speaking of big events coming, uh, the Maryland Cycling Classic is coming together. It's happening again. We're in this weird place. I was just talking about throwing a party. We're in this weird place where everybody's like, "Do we? Do we go?" Full on with like things are going on and we want you to be a part of it. And I, I do I am interested in finding those things out because I think it's a, a an interesting spot for everybody that's involved. Like if you're the, the BMW championship, you're coming to caves in August. Are we are we just Ali Ali Oxen free? Like is it you used it, to yell that during a game, right? 
Yeah, that used to be a big thing. What was it when it was like uh, you were running to home base? Yes. That was yes, that, game? that was. I got to think more about this. What was that called? I, that I'll, game was called. It was. It was. Oh man, man, oh man. I'm sorry to derail you. I really am. I don't remember though. That's the that's the part that's driving me crazy. I'll think about it. It's a fun one. Th- it was. Yeah. It was a very fun yeah. game. I just can't remember yeah. what game it was. Play with your friends. Yeah. Um, but we'll talk about that with Terry Hasseltine, and Jeremy Kahn joins us as he does every Monday. I'm not going to – I have very little to say about the Orioles today. By the way, today's show is brought to you by our friends at Window Nation. Whew, they got a great deal for you right now at Window Nation. If you act now and beat the rush, Window Nation will give you 50% off every style window, bows, bays, picture and garden windows, every style, every color, plus get 0% interest for 18 months, 866-90NATION or windownation.com. Um, look, we, this is this is what it is. You can. St- I was still encouraged by Bruce Zimmerman. I mean, he was he was fine. Look, this is if, if any other pitcher other than John Means were to have that performance, you would say that was pretty decent, right? Like, I mean, like, and I, I understand that that's not a good standard, and that's not what we should be expecting I, I, as far when, as when what you we say want, you're encouraged by it. In that, like, he's, he's not con- he's not it, a disaster. No, it's, like, I don't know. Wh- how good the Red Sox are, right? right? They have power. They have good hitters in their lineup. But, like, is it a complete lineup? Probably not. But it's still impressive, I think, that against as many good hitters as they have on the second time seeing them, as recently as it was, he was still able to get through six innings. I think that's worth something. I mean, I, I it doesn't – I. I don't think we should be spending any time talking about it. It's that's fine. That's what I will say. Like it's it's fine. It I was occurred. encouraged by that. I didn't think he was particularly good, but he certainly could have been worse. There's no question about that. There were other guys that were worse. So and you know what the old adage is that like you're you're as good as you are on the days where you're not your best, right? Like I mean, if he wasn't, if you but I, I don't know what what are you, I don't know what that are we maybe grading that is against? His best, right? what, like, are, what are we grading against? Are we grading against the idea that like grading Bruce, against the fact that he had. No, I'm, I'm I'm saying, what? How does this matter? If if you're talking about in the in the micro that like Bruce Zimmerman might be their best pitcher, that couldn't be less relevant. Well, of course, to me. he's not their best, right? Like it could be their I second you, best sure. pitcher. It, it's the it's, micro. That means that's what, it's, that's in the prettiest is, girl at that matters, kind of territory. Micro becomes macro at some point, right? Like there is a certain point where you have put enough trends together to suggest that this is who you are. Okay, well then we're and so far I'm away well from that that it's aware, not worthy well of a discussion. Well aware that that's the case, but you still can only do it by stacking good performances and trying to be consistent. And but, I'm not saying that two starts makes anyone consistent and, and, and that he was even great. No. I'm not he, suggesting that he either. He wasn't particularly good. He was good enough. And that's if and you I can, just don't think that being good... As that, a rookie, if you can be good enough to the tune of a 4-5 ERA in the AL East, like that's something Something. And I, I, I just in what context you're not coming up with the context that that's going to and I'm not trying to be dismissive and I, I want to root for Bruce Zimmerman and I want him to do well. But in this grander scheme of well, what is, matters and what doesn't matter, I, whether it's jumping the gun, it's not like I'm drawing sweeping conclusions from anything in the first week of baseball. Right. Like I'm not I'm not going to do that. That's that's sure. silly. This isn't last year, right? You don't have that luxury of being like, well, it kind of could matter because this is what we're operating with. Right. Like, I understand that the small sample size applies moving forward a month plus still. Even even still, with the Orioles doing what they're doing, the ways that I will stay interested, the ways that I will, you know, I would say stay with my head above water mentally through the rebuild, through the continued losing, while I understand that it's what's best, mm-hmm. is seeing 
what I could be deemed as encouraging performances from people who I still don't know that they're not. Yeah, I mean, uh, God bless you if that's really where you're feeling. I, I, th- this is a nothing. It's a, it's a shrug to me. It's a, you know, okay, like Bruce Zimmer- if if what I had to take from a weekend was, hey, Bruce Zimmerman wasn't terrible, then what I had to take from the weekend is nothing. Well, everyone like, else kind of was. John Means not withstanding. But I didn't pitch. Sure, but he was <laughs> still had the taste in our mouth, remember? Okay. Hey, I mean, that's fine. Like, I, I, it's just that's not a thing. It's not worthy of in in big picture context. Again, it, it, it like on the Saturday show where they talk about baseball for two hours. I'm sure they're talking about that. Like, the, I, I do the does this matter? Is it worthy of conversation? And right now, it's 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 not to me worthy of conversation. Well, he has to continue to. This um, is if ideally this is his. You know, in a perfect world, this would be his floor, right? Like you don't. I, if that's the case, then we get course. to that point at some point. I'd be happy to talk but about I'm that. Right? I'm still encouraged right through, through two starts. He's been. He's he's been in a time in my life when every rookie pitcher that comes up for the Orioles routinely we seems are, to be. Boy, we are we are going all in. I on got this. it. We got to st- we got to spot stop spending so much time about. I got more. Bruce Zimmerman wasn't terrible. It's I got more. Just not worthy of this. I got more. There was a lot of terrible. There's no doubt about that. Obviously. The, the the just absolute embarrassment of the the Frenchy Cordero roller to second base yesterday that mm-hmm. turned into a I mean a Keystone Cops routine uh, I mean that looked like the the 2008 Baltimore Orioles that was horrendous um, obviously what happened in the in extra inning or in late late in the game when you had the lead on uh, Saturday that's unfortunate. Cesar Valdez is probably not a major league pitcher, and we're 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 doing this weird bit where we're trying to pretend like Cesar Valdez. Like somebody was, I can't remember if it was Molesky. Somebody went on Twitter like, "Oh, so now Cesar Valdez isn't good." Like whoever said Cesar Valdez was good enough? Like who? Why are we in any way worked up about Cesar Valdez, who's not a major league pitcher? Like, come on, man! Like, stop. I don't we're have spending, much expectations. We're spending from, a lot of old em- right. We're spending a lot of emotions on things that aren't really worthy of them. Well, no, I'm not going to put like, him I, in the same category as Bruce Zimmerman. Okay, fine. <laughs> I mean, Show yeah, is, respect. Is there a is there more of a chance that Bruce Zimmerman's a major league pitcher than Cesar Valdez? Yeah, I'll, I'll I guess I'll say that. But I, 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 I look, man, they lost three games. It's what it is. I can't I can't try to make it seem like it's it's more interesting than it is. It's not. But we know this is what it is, and and this goes back to the, the conversation we had on Friday about acknowledging results. <sighs> Mobile One full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center. Ask for Mo- Mobile One. We continue to meet the guys who make up this year's NFL draft class and potential future Baltimore Ravens. We, we think that they are very much in the tight end market, as they always seem to be. Joining us now, one of the top tight ends in this class from Penn State, he is Pat Fryermuth, and he joins us now here on GCR. Pat, it's Glenn and Colin Baltimore. It's great to chat with you, man. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on. Guys. Uh, it's great to chat with you. We do have to address something right at the top, and it's a little bit awkward. If drafted by the Baltimore Ravens, would you be willing to never be a Boston Red Sox fan again? Can we get that commitment from you right now? Uh, I don't know if I can make that. Ah, um, ah, <laughs> the Red Sox are having a hell of a year right now, so, so far. Yeah, so. well, we we know. Don't forget what happened the yeah, first yeah, weekend, yeah, yeah, Pat. Yeah, yeah. Don't forget <laughs> what happened the first weekend. That was still a thing. 
So you're a, a Massachusetts native, um, and by the way, so Mass. I, I got it. I did I see somewhere that you were your your high school coach was named Foley. That's how Massachusetts you are. Yeah, my yeah. he's actually my cousin. Yeah, so my my uh, <laughs> yeah, so he his, his last name is Foley. My grandfather's last name was Foley. Mom's maiden name is Foley, so yeah, I'm very Irish. That that is that is like the quintessential New England name, correct? Like that is. is oh yeah, for sure. I, that's what I thought. everywhere. That's what I thought it was. Um, <clears throat> can we also assume that perhaps that meant you might have um, might have grown up uh, rooting for uh, another another team, maybe a, a football team that that might have been up that way? <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> well, a little awkward now, but we'll do our best. We'll do our <laughs> best moving forward. Um, it's it, it, obviously you're gonna about to have a new favorite team, football wise. That that's gonna be yep. the case no matter what. Um, Pat, tell me how you're feeling. I know, I know you went through uh, off season shoulder surgery. Um, uh, where are you at now as far as as health, and and when do you feel like you're gonna be ready to go, uh, for whoever ends up uh, calling your name here in a couple weeks? Yeah. So obviously, I just got back from uh, Indy like medical recheck this past weekend, and um, you know the imaging and everything looks great. The shoulders fully recovered and. Um, you know, I'm working back into some contact things now, like, you know, striking the blocking pad and, you know, having some, you know, some contact and stuff like that. So, you know, I feel ready to go. Um, you know, probably I feel mo- most comfortable in like probably a week or two, you know, um, you know, that, that'll probably when I'm like ready to ready to go out there and, and hit someone in the pad. But you know, I'll be ready to go for, you know, mini camp or, or OTAs or whatever, whatever that may be. That's pretty good timing wise. <laughs> that's that's excellent timing yeah. for that yeah, to be the case. For sure. Pat, you know, I, I had sure, yeah. I had Hunter Long on a couple weeks ago, and he was talking about the relationship that you guys have have forged during this process. And I think that's a really cool thing. Two guys who are otherwise competing against each other, right? Like well, both of you want to be selected as high as possible and ahead of the other one, but yet you've kind of forged this like unique dynamic and relationship. Can you tell me a little bit about how that came about? Yeah, so me and Hunt, uh, we started, you know, that that building that relationship over quarantine. Um, you know, we actually, we, you know. There's a uh, Jim who kind of you know helped us out and opened up uh, just for you know for us um, during quarantine and stuff um, to get ready for the season. So you know we we kind of lived near each other. So you know we'd work out over quarantine and kind of started building that relationship then. And then you know we ended up signing with the the same agency. So um, you know we roomed together and you know we did a lot of things out there in Cali and you know, it was good. You know it, it was kind of like you know back in college with the, with the tight end room and stuff like that and that environment. You know just kind of pushing each other every single day, trying to get the best of each other and. You know, me and Hunter, you know, we really thrived off that. And, you know, you know, I'm very thankful for, you know, all he done did for me out there, you know, pushing me and stuff like that. So, you know, we have a really great relationship. All right, so now tell me why you're the better tight end prospect and you're the best tight end prospect <laughs> in the draft. Um, you know, I, I just think I'm more versatile, um, probably more athletic on the field, just, you know, getting out of breaks and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, you know, we bring different things to the table, I think. Um, you know, he's, he's obviously a great tight end and he's going to be very successful in the league. Um, but you know, I just think that I'm more versatile. I mean, that's the, you have to feel that way. That's the way it works. Yeah. Right. It was like yeah. when people got mad when Joe Flacco told me he was the best quarterback in football, like, what's he supposed to say? He's not, <laughs> like, come on, man. You have to say that you're the best tight end prospect in the draft. That's the way that it works. Pat Frymuth's with us here on GCR. Um, uh, Pat, can you explain to me why it is? So I, I'm going to tell you this. We had trace on the show. I want to say like seven mm-hmm. months ago. And it mm-hmm. remains the most listened to segment that we've had on this show for the last year. Can you explain mm-hmm. the world's fascination with Trace McSorley? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I don't really know. I mean, obviously, you know, I played a year here with Trace and we're good friends and stuff. So, 
I think, you know, it all started obviously with, with I guess, his, his touchdown celebration here with, like, hitting the ball out of the park, I guess. Um, <laughs> so, I'm, I'm sure, like, Penn State loves him around here. You know, there's posts of him everywhere. So, it probably started there. And then I don't really know this whole TikTok thing. I, I don't it's really so get weird, that. isn't but, it? It's so weird. Yeah, cause he, he didn't even have a TikTok at the time when he became TikTok famous. So, <laughs> it was weird. But, yeah, I mean, he's a great guy and, you know. He's a good football player. No, there's no doubt about that. He is a great dude, and, and, and he handles it about as well as you could possibly. He's like, I don't get it either, man. Like, it makes no <laughs> yeah, sense sure. to him either. Um, what, what's that? What was your relationship like with Trey? You mentioned you were only together for a year. What was your relationship like? And, and you said you, you, you've stayed in touch um, with Trace. Is he somebody that you've talked to as you've gone through this process? Yeah. Um, so, me and Trace, our relationship started, you know, obviously freshman year coming in. Um, you know, I remember that I uh, it was coming in like my first day in the building for workouts, and you know the older guys at Penn State work out before the younger guys. You know when they first get in, um, and I was walking into the locker room, and, and Trace was walking by, and I didn't think he knew who I was, just being a freshman and stuff. But you know he was like, "Hey, what's up, Pally? Nice to meet you. I'm Trace." Blah blah blah. So I thought that was pretty cool. And ever since then, you know, he kind of just you know pushed me and 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 kind of showed me how to you know work. And um, you know, obviously, you know, I, I started as a freshman, and so we just built that relationship through camp and. You know, after practice, you know, getting certain routes and throwing that. So, you know, we just kind of built that, and he, he was really good to me, and I'm you know, really appreciative of that, and kind of showed me how to, you know, be a successful, you know, college athlete. Um, and you know, we stay in touch to this day. You know, he's always hit me up after games and you know before games, wishing me good luck and stuff like that. And, That's cool. You know, especially during this process, he's been there a lot and just talking to me how to, you know, handle it and and kind of you know the ups and downs of it and. They just kind of stay consistent through it all. Has uh, is maybe has, has the conversation shifted to how cool it might be if you guys were to perhaps reunite here in a couple of months? Yeah, so um, I met with the Ravens a couple of times, and every single time I meet with them, I, I tell Trace, and he's always like, "Let's go!" Like, you know, we run most thirteen personnel, twelve right? personnel league, and it would be awesome to be around. So yeah, we definitely talk about that. Look, and again, I, I know Pat Frymuth is with us here in GCR. I am very aware that like, there are thirty-two teams that you would be excited to go to right now. I oh, am yeah. totally understanding of how this works, but is it fair to say that it might be a bit more intriguing when you do see things like, hey, they run thirteen personnel constantly, and this is an organization that has done nothing but produce high-quality tight ends for their entire 25-year history. They have probably been the most tight end-heavy team in all of football for two and a half decades now. Does anything about that particularly intrigue you when you think about the Baltimore Ravens? Yeah, you know, all of it intrigues me. Um, I think, you know, when we were, um, you know, a lot of off-season studies that we did at, at Penn State kind of, you know, we took play, we took plays, and, and the Ravens run similar plays to what we did in our offense. So, wow. you know, just kind of, you know, I understand kind of, schematically what they want to accomplish and what they do with the tight ends and you know obviously the the, mo the more time I get on the field um you know that's going to be awesome and, and you know it's going to be awesome to go out there and play with guys like Mark Andrews and, and you know Lamar Jackson and, and Hollywood Brown stuff so um but you know it, it would be interesting to see you know what they do in the draft with tight ends but it definitely intrigues me you know how much 13 and 12 personnel they run you are 6'5 um what, what did yep. you officially measure at a pro day uh, six five two fifty two. All right, so I'm going to assume that you've never been a man who's been afraid to throw his body around in his life. <laughs> no, no, not at all. <laughs> right? Do you remember? Okay, so we always like to talk. We talk about this with tight ends constantly. The joy of catching a touchdown versus the joy of putting someone on their ass in a certain situation. <laughs> Which one of those gives you the greater like feeling when you come back over to the sideline and see your buddies? Um, I would honestly say, you know, putting someone on their ass, um, 
you know, obviously it is different because, you know, scoring touchdowns and stuff, like, you got the crowd to hype you up and, and, and all that. But, you know, putting someone on their ass and finishing someone on the ground, you know, it it kind of, like, gets you going and you're able to talk some smack after it um, to the guy on the, um, when you, you put on the ground and stuff. And, you know, the real football guys on the sideline and stuff like that, you know, they get hyped for you because they see that block. Right, so, right. Um, you know, it was definitely, definitely the block, I'd have to say. You, did you always know, like, you know, it's giving your path to football, Pat. Like, you know, was it always in the cards for you growing up? Like, you know, you, you said your cousin's a football coach. Was it something you were always going to do? Was there a point where you realized how good you were and you're like, maybe maybe I should be doing more of this football thing? Like, what was your path in the game? Yeah, so, you know, obviously, you know, my uncle, you know, Mike Foley, he, he, he played at Colgate, and he was in, he's been in the coaching kind of, you know, coaching O-line you know, various universities and stuff. So, you know, kind of going to his games with my grandfather when I was younger, kind of, you know, introduced me to the sport. And, you know, my brother and my, my cousin, you know, obviously played in college and, and continue to coach to this day. So, you know, I'd been in a football family. Um, you know, it's kind of funny, you know, ever since, like, people who come outside of the family, like, into the family, like, dating cousins and stuff, they always get annoyed at family parties because, you know, we always talk about football. Like, it might be a normal conversation for 20 minutes, and all of a sudden, once we start talking about football, they're like, all right, like, this is annoying. But, so football's always been in my blood. And, um, you know, I played basketball when I was in high school, and I played various sports. But, um, you know, I, I went to a private school. I repeated my sophomore year in high school. And, um, you know, I started getting offers for, for football. And, uh I kind of hung up the, the basketball shoes and, and put on some weight to play tight end and stuff. So that's kind of where, you know, my my love of the game of football really shifted into kind of wanting to be great at it. I, I absolutely love, like, this is the outside vision of one of your family gatherings and someone just walking in like, <laughs> yeah. we get it, you like sports. It's the, you know, <laughs> that type For of sure. thing going on, man. That is too cool. Um, uh, Pat, what you know, your focus now. What is it that you still think that you need to 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 improve at, to work on as you get ready to make this jump to the next level? Yeah, you know, I think you know, there's a there's a lot of things, obviously, but I think the main things I'm focusing on is just you know, harping on the little details. I think you know, overall, my game's pretty polished, um, but just looking at you know, gaining leverage on my first step a bunch and, and pass protection, and you know, just working on my breaks, being more efficient on that. Um, so just just working on the little details and. and you know, everything that goes into, you know, being a successful tight end in the league and just kind of, you know, watch it, doing a lot of film study on, you know, NFL tight ends and, you know, seeing what works for them and kind of trying to do it in my game. Um, and I think that's what's, what makes me special is, you know, I'm not just one one kind of one-trick pony type thing. Um, you know, I, I can do it all, and I am very athletic where I can, you know, do different things on the field. So, um, you know, I'm just trying to find little things that I can put in my game and, and, and work on the details and stuff. Who are some of the guys that you that you model your game after? Like whether it be in a blocking sense and a receiving sense, like just overall, who are the guys that you watch when you study film? Yeah, so you know, obviously, you know, I watch you know Gronk and, and Kittle and Kelsey and stuff, but you know, I also watch watch like Mark Andrews and you know, hmm. the old Tyler Eifert when he was in Cincy, and hmm. you know, just and you know, obviously um, Howard from um, the Bucks. I used to watch over the uh, quarantine period just to kind of see what he does well. So. Um, you know, just watch a couple, you know, those tight ends and just kind of see what they do well and I'm um, trying to put in my game. Yeah, but what did any of those guys ever do? Gronk. Shit. <laughs> that guy. Sure. <laughs> I'm sure he's any good at this. Jeez. <laughs> All right. Pat Fryer move. We can't get him to commit to uh, giving up his red side. We, could we, like, get you to commit to, like, maybe if it does end up being Baltimore, you'd be willing to consider in a few years when the Orioles are good again also rooting for the Orioles if it plays out that way? 
Yeah, so I actually like have a connection to the Orioles. So my cousin, uh, you know, Nick Harville, he um, he actually worked ground screw for oh, that's the cool. Orioles for for a couple of years. Yeah, so he he worked for the Orioles for a little bit. So I've been to Camden Yards. So it, it's awesome. It's a, it's an awesome spot. Um, so yeah, I kind of have a connection with the Orioles. <laughs> Would it be probably a good idea for us not to ask whether you were wearing a uh, another team's hat when you were at Camden Yards? Yeah, right. <laughs> I, to be honest, I was I was wearing another team's hat. That's <laughs> all right. That's all right. We'll, we'll forgive it. We'll forgive it. If, if we will be able to see past this, the first time you catch a touchdown in purple. Now, if it goes the other way, <laughs> and you end up going to the Patriots, we're just you have to understand we're going to have to hate you, Pat. Please, please don't be offended <laughs> by it. It's the way it works. We have to hate you, Pat. Can we plug anything? Where can people give you a follow, social media-wise? Twitter, Instagram, anything like that? It's... Yeah, Instagram, um, it's just my first and last name, just one space, Pat Firemuth. Um, right. Twitter, Pat underscore five five. Excellent, man. Hey, Pat, really appreciate you taking the time for us, dude. Best of luck as this moves along. If it works out that, we're, that you end up in Baltimore, we can't wait to get to know you better. Appreciate you taking the time for us. Hey, appreciate you guys having me on. Have a good day, one. Pat Fryermuth, tight end from Penn State. Um, still buddies with uh, Trace McSorley, which is really cool. Appreciate him hopping on with us this morning and spending a couple of minutes. Today's show also brought to you by Window Nation. Oh, you know what? We did Window Nation. You know what? This one's brought to you by Toyota. That's who brings you this one. We love. We still love Window Nation. Let's make that very clear. But this one's brought to you by your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, We've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Good dude. Appreciate Pat Fryermuth taking the time for us. A couple of things. I've got a think tank up at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter. And what your thoughts? My column today at pressboxonline.com. We're not, they're calling us. My column today at pressboxonline.com is about Justin Houston. Last Friday, I didn't mean to try to – I really was not trying to get anybody worked up last Friday. I, I, I was bothered because there was credit that was being given for a report to somebody who wasn't the NFL chick, Sarita Hubbard. And without question, the first person to report that Justin Houston was coming to visit the Baltimore Ravens was our friend, Sarita Hubbard, the NFL chick. So – I said something, and I'll stand up for my teammate any day of the week, and Sarita is a damn great teammate and someone who I love having as a teammate. So, yeah, I, I got a little I got a little worked up. I got a little offended by the fact that there was credit. What everyone thinks I'm going to do. Just freak out, man, right? No, I am going to do that, actually. Mm-hmm. I did kind of freak out a little bit. But I'm not – I wasn't trying to say that I thought that – like Jason Lockenfor was trying to steal credit or that um, Jonah Schaefer was particularly going out of his way to not give credit. I think it was just an honest mistake sure. on everybody's part that they did not see that Rita had t- like tweeted it out first. So a lot of people were responding to that on Friday. I was just standing up for my teammate, and I'll do that every day of the week because Rita deserves that. Now, Rita's also not the type that really wants credit. She doesn't care about all that type of stuff. This was just about me saying, hey, if we're going to do this, if we're going to credit anybody, Credit who actually had it first. Me. Yeah, no. Um, so there's that. Now, secondarily, my column today is about the complications of the Justin Houston situation. And, and, and for what it's worth, Jeff Zrebeck followed up with a little bit more information and said, it's not just Justin Houston. It's David Clowney. Well, David Clowney looks like he's going to sign with the Browns today. But the Ravens are apparently in on him a little bit. We're they, poking in. He, he didn't directly say that as much as he said, they're doing their due diligence and they're going to bring in 
a handful of veteran pass rushers and then just mentioned sure. some of the names of the guys that are available. So he didn't really say, like, all of these guys will definitely be in for visits as much as he said they're bringing in veteran pass rushers for visits. Here are the guys, here are the veteran pass rushers that are available. So I, I'm not sure what to make of that exactly. I don't know if it means, and I, and I, I, I got to flush this out, I don't know if it means that they are so hell-bent on signing one of these guys that they'd be willing to sign them before May 3rd. And that's the big factor here to me. The May 3rd factor is significant because that's the date where you could sign someone and no longer have it impact your compensatory I would picks. be surprised if the market for those players were only the you Ravens. You say that. The Browns are apparently going to sign Jadavion. Oh, you're saying if it's only the Ravens. Yeah, I mean, I think I'd be surprised if it's Pass only the Ravens. help is 100%. generally welcomed in the NFL. The Ravens are in the, I think, tank today. The Ravens are in the pass rush market, including a visit with Justin Houston, as first reported by Rita. Where are you with the need and what's left out there? Do they need to sign some player specifically? And should they wait until May 3rd to sign someone? And I, all of these are complicated parts of this. Because there's a million things that I talk to you about constantly when it comes to these situations. One being... I think that you shouldn't go into the draft with such a glaring need. Mm -hmm. But are any of these players such an obvious way to address that need that it changes whether that's actually a need or not by signing them? I mean, if you sign Justin Houston, the grade of the need, yes. How? I don't. I don't. I think know. There's, there's. It's similar in my mind to the Kevin Zeitler signing, right? Like. I don't necessarily know that Kevin think, Zeitler is a... I think Kevin Zeitler is at a far better place in his career right now than any of these guys are as edge rushers. I think, for, for, for what it's worth, that both Justin Houston and Melvin Ingram have at least two more years of good football left in them. Now, that doesn't mean you sign them and put all your eggs in that basket, right? Like, that's not right. what I'm saying. But I think they both are very helpful players and make the need lessened. I think they have been. I don't know if I can say that they are. I mean, Ingram obviously is coming off a like a nothing season where he barely played. He didn't even play half the year, and he was not he wasn't productive in the games that he played. Houston was productive, although the metrics would say like not nearly as much as his sack total. He had eight sacks, but he didn't have many pressures. So. It was there. The defense for the Colts looked very fast last that's, year when the Ravens that's, played that's the Rams. I thought the, Houston was a big part of the, that. On the the advanced numbers say he was not. He he happened to get sacks on the plays where he got pressures. Right, like that's what the advanced numbers say about Houston. I want to know your thoughts on that. We'll continue to talk about it throughout the course of the morning. We'll also talk about the Masters and the upcoming BMW Championship at Caves Valley. Joining us now from the Golf Channel, he is Mr. Steve Sands. He's with us here on GCR. Steve, it's Glenn and Kyle in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you, sir. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us. Absolutely. Happy to come on. Thanks for having us. Let's. I, I want to talk about the uh, the BMW and Caves. I guess let's start with the, what happened this weekend. How, how big a deal is this for the global golf community that Hideki Matsuyama won the Masters? Massive immeasurable in Asia, especially in Japan. He is Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods combined in Japan. That's how big of a star he is. Uh, and this will only escalate that. It was such a big win for that country to be 
uh, now they have produced a male major champion in the world of golf. Um, Hideki Matsuyama is going to skyrocket in popularity, and that's almost hard to believe. I've been to Tokyo a few times. I've been to Japan a few times. Seen his action over there. My goodness, is he a big star. Wow. I can't imagine uh, what it's going to be now. Wow, that's that's really and also kind of interesting that it happens in in a, an Olympic year, right? Like oh, kind it, of, and it's a Tokyo Olympic right, year. right. <laughs> it's really fascinating that it ends up playing out that way. Um, what, what's the second biggest story for you from the weekend, Steve? Oh man, you know, Spieth coming close, Dustin Johnson, Rory McIlroy missing the cut, but Will Zalatoris is a kid who's no one ever, no one's ever heard of him. And he yep. finished second. He pushed Hideki, you know, to the limit. And he's a young kid. Again, no one's ever heard of him. He's played in two majors as a pro. And he finished tied for sixth at Wingfoot at the U.S. Open last fall and then finished second yesterday at the Masters. So all the young players will tell you, all the players who have played with him before, and he's just getting going at 24 years of age, will tell you he's one of the best ball strikers they've ever seen. If the putter cooperates, which it did the last four days, and he's going to put himself in contention. But get used to that name, Will Zalatoris. Okay. Uh, okay. He's going to be around for the next couple decades. Let me go back to Spieth for a second, if I could. Are, are we at the place where now, you know, the next three times we do this this year, we're, we're assuming everything's good, everything's fine, he's going to be competing, and, and he's likely to win major championships again, or do we still need to see this more consistently? Great questions. Um, I think I need to see a little more evidence. Not not a lot more, but just a little bit more. Um, but for everybody in Baltimore, you know, a big UA city, uh, and it's nice to see yep. uh, the face of Under Armour Golf uh, get after it again. He's had a really nice 2021. He got that win in San Antonio. Played well at the Masters, but made too many mistakes. If he takes away some of those big mistakes, I think he's right there. I know he finished tied for third, but he didn't have a chance to win yesterday. He would have been right there with a chance to win if he would have taken away a couple of those early round mistakes. Um, do I think he's all the way back? No. But I do think he's real close to getting back to where he was. And and that's a good thing. He's such a nice guy. He's so good for golf. Um, he's good for sports. And, you know, seeing guys like Jordan Speed play well again, you know, puts a smile on not just golf fans, but sports fans' faces. He is Steve Sands from the Golf Channel. We're going to talk more about the BMW Championship, which is coming to Caves Valley this August. Steve, if I could, I, I, you know, obviously Ricky Fowler is the guy that leads this this list, and he didn't even play this weekend, so there's no conversation there. But are we approaching a point now with Xander that, like, he's becoming that guy, that we're, we're watching to see him finally break through, and that and we know it's coming, and it's going to be a compelling story going into every major championship moving forward? Hey, the kid is tough. Really tough. And and sports, look, it's really hard to win. Really, really hard to win. You guys know that. It's it's not easy. Uh, to, you know, the Ravens can have a tremendous season and just have one little hiccup in January and everybody thinks, oh, they can't win. That's not how it works. Sports is really hard at the highest level to get wins in a team game and also in, the, in, in an individual sport. And Xander's come close at majors. He's won big events before. Um, and I think he is in route uh, with a proper trajectory uh, to getting himself over the finish line sometime soon. It's going to happen. Uh, it just takes time. Sometimes you need to have a little bit of heartbreak in sports, especially in golf, uh, before you actually, you know, get that cherry on top of the Sunday. No, it was tough. He got back within two yesterday and then proceeded to put it in the drink. You're like, ah, 
Oh, yeah, that was man. Now, now, hold on. Now, now, that was a terrible shot. Right, right, tell you that, right. That, that, that was a bad golf shot. He got crossed up with the wind and didn't hit it well, but that, that's a bad golf shot. You cannot hit in the water at 16. That's just that's a terrible golf shot at that level. Steve, I know, I think a lot of people around here, you know, outside of the ardent, hardcore golf fans, hear the BMW Championship is coming to caves, and they're like, wow, that's cool. That's a, that's a, that's a golf tournament, and real golfers are playing, and maybe don't know exactly how significant the BMW championship really is and like how close this might be to us having a major championship here in our backyard. Can you explain to the casual fan just how big a deal this is that the BMW championship is going to be a cave? Yeah, it's a big deal. Uh, first of all, the Western golf association, which runs the BMW championship is the third oldest golf tournament on the PGA tour. There's no cut. It's 70 guys playing a fabulous golf course caves is mint um in a terrific sports town so people need to get out there i really hope that nothing's happening with the orioles and the ravens that weekend that'll prevent sports fans from not wanting to go out there to see yeah the i don't, I don't think we're gonna have to worry too much about that steve unfortunately yeah, but, i don't think we're gonna have yeah, to worry I, too much yeah. <laughs> believe me as a guy who loves the orioles growing up i know but, uh, <laughs> i know man. bit of a tough spot so yeah. and it's obviously before nfl season so you know maybe, maybe there's a preseason game whatever anything like that but so without the cut 70 of the best players a mint golf course like caves if baltimore goes out and shows what it's all about which means a great sports town and a fun place to be i think it's a bit of a tryout for the other big organizations in golf to say hey you know if we can work out the finances and the sponsorships maybe we want to go to baltimore and bring a major championship there the bmw championship is an awesome event you don't have to you know rush out there on a thursday and miss work just to see the best players in the world there's no cut so you have all four days to see 70 of the greatest players on the planet in the middle of the FedEx Cup playoffs. The winner, the, the top 30 from there go on to the Tour Championship. So it's the last leg before the last event in the FedEx Cup playoffs. It's a it's a sweet spot uh, to be in on the schedule. Uh, and I think that people in Baltimore will wrap their arms around it. Um, and I, I know the people who run that event very well. We do it on NBC and Golf Channel. I can't wait to get there. Um, have some crab cakes, go to Little Italy, and yeah, enjoy man. some great golf. It's, it's going to be a great weekend. Tickets and hospitality options are available right now at bmwchampionship.com. Steve, are we deep enough into the season that we can start to feel semi-comfortable about some of the names that, that are going to be in that top 70 that make it to Baltimore? Oh, yeah. Oh, the big guys will all be there. They'll all be there. Now, you know, obviously after his car accident, it doesn't look like Tiger's going to be able yeah, to unfortunately, play. Yeah, right. unfortunately, healthy enough. Unfortunately, so Tiger showing up in Baltimore. Well, I mean, we would have we time. we might have had to shut down. I mean, that that, that right. would have caused right. something absurd. But still, you know, that, that, that's out of the control. You're saying everybody right. else is going to be there. Literally, everybody else will be there. Uh, the BMW we do it every year on NBC. The BMW Championship is awesome. It's it's such a cool event because all the guns are there. All the horsepower is there. It's it's really really good. I yeah, mean, no question. I mean, all the best players uh, will be there. And yes, we're deeping up in the season to be able to say, you know, with a solid base that Dustin and Brooks and Rory and Justin and Jordan and all the other great young players uh, will be there. We need Ricky Fowler to play a little bit better uh, to also be there as well. But I. I no question the best players in the world will be there. Uh, before I let you go, Steve, we had the the, the Senior Players Championship here a couple years ago. I got out for that. Yep. It was a great event. 
Um, but we saw a lot of scoring that weekend at Caves, and I think there's been a lot of people who have talked about that, and I think there are a lot of people who like seeing scoring when they go out and watch golf. Is your expectation that we're going to see some low numbers when we get to Caves here in August? It won't be like the senior PGA. Um, it won't be as loose as the senior PGA. Uh, the whole locations will be a little bit more tucked. The green speeds will be a little bit faster. The rough will be a little bit thicker. The fairways will be a little bit more narrow. Having said all that, they're the best players in the world. Yeah. It's not the longest golf course in the world, but it is awesome. I mean, an awesome track, and the guys are really looking forward to getting over there uh, and playing. And I think that they'll set it up more difficult, cer- certainly more difficult than the senior PGA. These guys are the okay. big boys. No offense to the senior PGA, but that's totally different. Um, but I, I, you know, I would expect the guys to be able to score. Now, it's all predicated on the weather. If it's really, really windy, the scoring will be much higher. But if it's not windy and it's kind of a normal Maryland hot and humid summer day, yep. they're, they're, they're going to they're get after it. There's no question. You can tuck the pins all you want, uh, make that rough as thick as you can. But these guys are the best players in the world. When the greens are a little bit on the softer side, they're like throwing darts and they'll make putts. So I think the scoring will be plentiful. No question. Steve Sands, really appreciate you taking the time for us. Are, are you not on? Are you the one man on the planet that's not on Twitter? Yeah, I refuse. God man. bless you, dude. God bless yeah. you for, being, for doing that, man. That's incredible. Probably. I would love to get yeah. off. Trust me. It's it's a cesspool. I don't want to be there either, Steve. It's a total cesspool, man. That's, I, I, I just can't do it. You know, if I want to talk to you guys, I'll just I'll just text your email you or just call you. I appreciate that, you know, the, man. The Twitter thing, man, just. I don't. I don't understand the Twitterverse, man. They're just—it's a bunch of hate. <laughs> out there. I, don't, I, don't, I don't like it. Well, you've always been great to all of us in this business. I think I kept you a minute too long. Thank you for taking the time, Steve. Really appreciate you doing this this morning. No sweat about the minute. Don't worry about it. Buy me a beer when we're in Baltimore. <laughs> you got it. Valley that week. Done deal, brother. Thank you, Steve. Steve Sands from the Golf Channel. Great dude. And of course, NBC's coverage of uh, the, the PGA as well. And, um, again, BMW Championship tickets and hospitality options are available right now. BMWChampionship.com is how you get them. Oh, busy first hour of the show. Very busy first hour. By the way, that, that sort of addresses my question about uh, Japan, by the way. <laughs> Apparently, it's a really big deal. So I, I did not know exactly how big. I, just, I wasn't trying to say I didn't think it was. I just did not know because, believe it or not, I haven't been sneaking off to Japan uh, uh, very often in the last few years. Not a, not a thing that's been occurring. We are uh, in the Chesapeake Employers Insurance studio of Pressbox. Chesapeake Employers Insurance is your workers' compensation insurance specialist. We're talking about big events, the BMW coming to um, Baltimore, to Caves Valley here in August. Not the only big event that's coming up. Joining us now, we always like checking in with our next guest just to see what's happening in the world, and especially as we've been trying to bounce back from what was a very difficult year. It's really good to catch up with Terry Hasseltine to get some more information about the Maryland Cycling Classic, the BMW, the World Cup bid, all of that stuff. He's the executive director of Maryland Sports. Terry Hasseltine with us here on GCR. Terry, it's Glenn and Kyle. It's so great to chat with you. I really I, I like this conversation. No offense. I like the conversation we get to have today more than the ones that we were having around this time last year. Oh, tell me about it. I mean, we're we're optimistic about uh, the future and, you know, doors opening back up and, and, and getting back to, you know, 
putting our fannies in some seats and, you know, the stadiums as well as, you know, getting a chance to maybe witness some of these big-time events that are coming to the state of Maryland. How optimistic, you know, we were just talking to Steve Sands about the BMW Championship, obviously, at Caves. How optimistic mm-hmm. are you about, you know, a, a, some amount of normalcy, if you will, for these events in the Maryland Cycling Classic? And, and maybe it's not fully 100% of what we imagine it being, but it being something that feels like the big event that we always have always intended it to be. Yeah, I think, you know, you, you look at it, obviously this last year has been, you know, challenging, but I think as, you know, the state continues to progress of putting, you know, the needles in the arms for the vaccine and, you know, we get ahead of some of these numbers um, that are out there, I feel very optimistic that by late summer and early fall, we're going to be at some level of capacity um, you know, obviously we had a great opening day. Um, yep. the result wasn't what we wanted from, you know, the, the field of play, but it was nice seeing, you know, close to 11,000 people in the ballpark again. I think, you know, you're going to gradually see those things become, you know, you know, more robust as, as the season goes on. Um, I think by the time we get to late summer, the BMW championships, I think, you know, you saw the masters yesterday. They had some people following along as the, you know, as the players made their way around the course over the weekend, I think you'll start seeing a gradual increase in that happening across golf courses across, um, you know, America, you know, this summer, as well as, you know, like I said, the BMW championship. But there's still the mystery of the unknown, in all fairness, guys. It's just, you know, the thing we're dealing with right now is, you know, it, it, it roots its ugly head, you know, at times which you hope it wouldn't. And our job is just to stay ahead of it and plan as though, you know, we're going to be back to a certain level of normal. And I think, Terry, it's, you know, we, we need to say all this, these, you know, still be responsible, right? Like still wear yeah. your, we, we're, we are able to do a little bit more, but we need to do it as safely as we possibly can when we do it and not get reckless as we do it to make sure that we continue to progress. Um, I've referenced the Maryland Cycling Classic. You and I have talked about this event for years now. Um, yeah. and, and I've told you every time, I'm not like a a massive cycling fan, but I am all in for this because it creates a massive event for our region, for our city, for businesses that could badly use a boost right now. Mm -hmm. And so I am really excited about it. And you guys have kind of announced how the weekend is coming together beyond just the, the individual pro race itself. Yeah, it's going to be an exciting, you know, four plus days of, of action, you know, obviously the, the, the pro race on Sunday is the, you know, the nice cherry on the top of the, the, the Sunday, but we're talking about Thursday doing a great community outreach day, you know, getting out into the parks, getting into the schools, you know, showing, you know, bike safety, bike awareness, you know, creating some, some atmosphere while the riders are in town, you know, make sure that we, you know, create a really positive footprint on the city of Baltimore and Baltimore County as well. Uh, making sure that the legacy is beyond just, you know, the race on Sunday. You know, we got a, an event called the Prologue, which is a multi-day experiential opportunity of educational platforms, engagement with some of the, 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 the pros. And then it leads in, obviously, to, you know, if they cho- so choose to take, you know, part in the Bridges of Hope charity event, yeah, um, which will leave right in front of, you know, Kelly Benefits on that Saturday, raising money, obviously, for a great cause. And then, obviously, it leads right into the uh, pro events that will race up into Baltimore County as well into the city on, on Sunday. And, you know, it just, you know, has the potential to bring a lot of people into the community, you know, to, as I like to say, to spend some money, 
you know, have a good time, you know, gives us a chance to showcase Baltimore um, as a, you know, premier sports destination city that really gets how these big events impact, you know, the overall market. And then we get to say, hey, why don't we do it again the following year? Right, right. Why don't we make this part of uh, the, the culture of Labor Day weekend in our community? Exactly. Right? Like, why don't we make this mm-hmm. the thing that we do? Terry Hasseltine, Executive Director of Maryland Sports. Terry, this is a dumb guy question because, again, I, I don't follow pro cycling the same way. Is this, is this televised uh, at all? Is this something that people are, are there going to be a crowd seeing Baltimore in a new way? Yes. Um, right now, we're actually uh, working through some of those um, logistics as we speak. Um, we do anticipate at minimum that it will be live streamed okay. on Tour Tracker, which is, you know, one of the, you know, tremendous uh, cycling apps out there. You know, you'll see it at the Tour de France and you'll see it at some of the other major, you know, cycling events. We do anticipate that the four hours of competition will be live on a major network. Okay. Um, as well as, you know, follow Legacy, you know, broadcast on a recap show probably, you know, a week later. But you will be seeing the, the beauty of uh, the, the, the neighborhoods and the communities that the event will go through, through the rolling hills of the county um, as well. So it is a made-for-TV awesome event Excellent. that, you know, just will tell great stories. And the really nice part about it, Glenn, is we, meaning the Maryland Psych Classic, get to control that narrative, which is, means that we can take this race, we can, you know, provide the right commentary so that those who are watching from home because they can't make it here, you know, get a good sense of what Baltimore truly is. It's, you know, we're named Charm City for a reason, and there's so many great places to see and witness, and, hey, why not see it while we're passing it on a bike? All right, if you need a guy who once uh, got back on a bike after about 15 years off one and proceeded to run into the back of a police car because he was trying to answer his phone at the same time, I'm your guy. I just need you to know, I'm a, Terry, I think I'm available that weekend. And so if you need a guy, I can offer that perspective to the world. And, and I'm familiar with the area, too. Just keep that in mind. I am familiar with the area. So I'll, uh, I'll, I'll leave that for you to, to think about and mull over as you make those decisions, okay? Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll put you on the list as um, backup just in case, you know, something doesn't go the way we need it to go. But, um, but what we do need is guys like you who, you know, obviously understand the value of these of opportunities. Of no doubt. You know, see, no doubt. See the perspective of what it can bring to, you know, to the area and, you know, continue to, to make sure people are aware yep. and that this is really a good thing. You know, it's all said and done. They, you know, like I said, it, it showcases the city and the, and the county and, you know, a bright light. It's going to bring people who are going to, you know, spend some money in our market. It's, um, it also helps because we're pursuing this thing called the World Cup. You know, now, I've heard of that. Another international sporting event yeah. that's happening in market huh. is a nice thing to put on your resume. Huh. You know, when right when decisions are being made about our destination in late, you know, twenty twenty one. Right. So, you know, think about that big picture: BMW Championship, Maryland Cycling Classic, the Maryland Five Star, and then in December of twenty twenty one, FIFA is going to announce who's hosting the World Cup. So where Imagine that that crescendo of international sporting events happening right in the Baltimore market in a four-and-a-half-month period. could be a really exciting time, uh, and, and it yes. should be a very exciting time. Uh, so, so give us the update on that. How are we feeling? Is there anything more that you guys can do between now and December, or is it more, you know, hey, we, we just need to make sure that the taste that everybody has in their mouth as they make these final decisions is a good one from seeing our city in, in prime you know, opportunities for these types of events? 
Well, you know, on the World Cup piece, you know, right now we are working, you know, with FIFA. We had a really great uh, infrastructure technical conversation with FIFA about, you know, two weeks ago. That went really well. They were talking about the stadium and the things that, you know, make, you know, the NFL stadium sight lines and stadium a little different than soccer and how to, how do we potentially address those. Um you know, we obviously, you know, with the Ravens and the Maryland Stadium Authority put together a robust plan, of, you know, about how we'll you'll talk about that. FIFA's really loving our footprint from our, you know, the Inner Harbor to our hospitality and lodging infrastructure to the access to our airport. So right now it's about making sure that we continue to put a, a positive footprint on Baltimore and our storyline. How do we address these, you know, events like, you know, the Cycling Classic, the BMW Championships, the five star in our market and make sure that they, they are addressed and, you know, handled with, you know, the right treatment and the legacy of those events is a great storyline so that, you know, we show that Baltimore and Maryland are just this can do, you know, you know, great city to do, you know, these type of events in and the fans have a great experience. You know, the local um, community has a positive experience in that they leave something, you know, behind afterwards. That's not just about coming into market and using our resources but we create some legacy plans. And that's what's really big about the World Cup piece and the Cycling Classic is we're talking about legacy. How are we engaging the next generation of, you know, kids in the community from cycling and from soccer, you know, to, you know, enjoying the beautiful games that, you know, we all enjoyed as kids. And how do we leverage those to make sure that, you know, we're leaving Baltimore a better place because of these opportunities. And that's really a big focus of what my office is undertaking in combination with, you know, pursuing these activities. Oh, I mean, it's it's incredible, and it, it's, it slates to be a really incredible year. I guess we should also probably reference the, the Women's Lacrosse World Championship as well. Mm -hmm. When we uh, have this, yep. that's coming up. And do, and do we know, it, like, are, are fans going to – is that is that an option for that event yet? Do we do we know what's what's happening as far as fans in that event is concerned? It's, it's, uh, it's still under consideration of what that's going to truly look like. Okay. Um, you know, that's the same thing, you know, with a lot of events right now. It's like you have to look almost like 60 – to 90 days out before you can really make that true decision on whether you're going to allow fans or not. But, you know, we have the NCAA, you know, women's lacrosse championships here um, over Memorial Day weekend at Towson. Um, and, you know, we're going to, you know, we're going to make every effort we can to make sure that, you know, at minimum that the family and friends of the athletes get a chance to yep. be, be on site. But hopefully because of the good work that, you know, the, the state and our partners in the health community are doing across the state that more and more opportunities for um, other people to have these experiences will, will open up here over the, you know, the coming weeks and months. Love that. What can we, what should we be plugging? Where can people be finding out more about all these events and how they might be able to get involved, Terry? Well, for the world cup, it's Baltimore MD 2026.us for the Maryland cycling classic. It's the Maryland cycling classic.us. And then for the Maryland Five Star, it's the MarylandFiveStar.us. All those sites are full of rich content and all the abilities about how you can get engaged from either whether it's volunteering, whether it's you want to buy a, a, a hospitality package, or you just want to know more. It's all there. So you got BaltimoreMD2026.us, MarylandCyclingClassic.us, MarylandFiveStar.us. Or you can always go to sportcourtmaryland.us, where all of them are covered. Very cool. And, again, you can follow at Maryland Sports on Twitter as well. 
uh, to find out some more information. Terry, as always, whatever we can do, you know, I'm, I'm very much in favor of there being more tremendous events to help our community moving forward. I am a big fan of that and supporting the work that you guys are doing. Uh, appreciate you taking a couple of minutes for us. Let's talk again real soon, all right? Definitely. I appreciate the opportunity, and we look forward to your continued support. Terry Hasseltine, Executive Director of Maryland Sports. And again, a lot of big events, a lot of big events, and you're starting to feel good about that. And what that could mean moving forward, that's great stuff. Busy first hour of the show in the books, and we're going to go into a busy second hour of the show. That's the way it's going to work. Today's show also brought to you by C3 American Exteriors. Give them a call right now to get roof and siding repairs for just the cost of your home insurance deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. Call 410-401-9797 or go to C3America.com for a free analysis. Aaron Wiggins is joining us next. Eric Ayala. Eric Ayala. I thought you said Aaron when you no, answered the phone. Aaron. I guess Aaron and Eric Looks do sound similar. very similar. Yeah. And when I'm doing an interview at the same time, sure. it can be confusing. That's good, too. Mm-hmm. We'll talk to Eric Ayala next. He has um, announced, he has declared that he is going to go through the process. What does that mean? We'll find out when we chat with him next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Redefine your skills, inspire change, and make a difference. The Army offers the new generation of youth the ability to be part of something bigger than themselves, while also improving who they will become individually. Soldiers have the ability to impact the world in many different ways. The Army supports humanitarian missions ranging from the COVID-19 response to natural and man-made disasters. Visit GoArmy.com forward slash Baltimore. For more than 100 years, Chesapeake Employers Insurance has been helping Maryland businesses keep their workers safe. With competitive pricing and an AM Best, A-minus financial strength rating, it's no surprise that Chesapeake Employers is Maryland's largest writer of workers' comp insurance. At the end of every workday, someone's waiting for your safe return. Connect with your agent or visit CEIWC.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. The journey begins on remote mountain farms and plantations in the lush tropical regions of countries like Colombia and Brazil, where the best coffee beans are grown. The beans are harvested by hand, carefully sorted, bagged, shipped, and finally roasted. And the journey ends as your cup of rich, flavorful Royal Farms coffee, the freshest and best coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Hi, it's Glenn Clark for Window Nation. The weather is warming up. The days are longer. Do your windows open to let the fresh spring air in? Are they old, cracked, and outdated? The spring rush is on for home improvement projects. One great way to improve the look, feel, and value of your home is with new windows. Act now, beat the rush, and Window Nation will give you 50% off every style window. Bows, bays, picture and garden windows, every style, every color, plus get 0% interest for 18 months. 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. 
The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, a lengthy Q&A with Orioles manager Brandon Hyde as he candidly discussed the impact the pandemic has had on the team's rebuilding effort, Chris Davis, Adley Rutschman, and much more. Inside, find our special college lacrosse feature, introducing you to the men's and women's players at all of the area schools. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Guys, we're almost there. As a lot of people have said, we are at the 10-yard line, but the COVID-19 pandemic is not quite over, so we need to continue to be vigilant, do the right things, including wearing our masks, and if we're going to wear them, why wouldn't we wear masks that represent our favorite teams and players? Home team masks, available right now. Pressboxonline.com slash masks. we got a purple and orange state flag neck gaiter for you, as well as the Celebrate 8 MVP neck gaiter, and an over-the-ear faded to stress state flag and traditional colors mask they're available pressboxonline.com slash mask let's get this over with wear our masks home team masks you are out you are listening to glenn clark radio at back in here on gcr from the chesapeake employers insurance studio of press box it is a monday edition of the program Continue to get me your responses for our Think Tank topic today, which is about the veteran edge rushers the Ravens are bringing in and whether there's one of them in particular that you think makes the most sense or you'd be most interested in or is the best fit and do they need to do it by May 3rd because, hey, you don't want to run the risk of other teams competing or definitely don't do it until after May 3rd because there's no way you should be giving up a compensatory pick for one of these guys. I'm looking for all of that in your responses today at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter. Gotten a few um, from from Jeff. They need a serious injection of veteran talent on the edge. Beyond that, I trust Eric DaCosta to figure out the specifics. From our buddy Zach from the bat around. Uh, Sign Houston, then see if you can get Melvin Ingram on a cheap enough deal and then fill out other holes in the draft. Man, I... I'm trying to sign two of these guys. I don't know. I don't know. Um... I, I, I don't even know what to say back. Yeah, okay, sure. Yeah, you know, if you can do it, if if they if they don't really cost you anything, I guess I I guess you could consider that route. But you know, if you're spending actual money, I I I don't know that you're you you even have it to dip your toes into these waters twice. I I don't know what actual money is for a player that's lingering around at this point in the process. From Chris, Chris says, Glenn, can't fathom any scenario where the Ravens would lose out on a compensatory pick to sign a player at this point. If they really like the guy, then why wouldn't they have signed him earlier in free agency? It seems like now you're only signing a player if they linger until that date. I think that's reasonable, Chris. I do. That's what my gut would tell me. Now, somebody's response would be, you know, there are other teams that are playing this game too, and if you're willing, like I, we apparently, according to Josina Anderson, the Browns are expected to get something done with Davion Clowney today. If you like a player, why wouldn't you just sign him? Just get it done. Get get ahead of whoever else might be in line. Get ahead of the other teams that might find themselves interested in one of these veteran pass rushers and go ahead and sign them now. Just 
just get it done. I mean, what's it really going to cost you compensatory-wise, right? Like, it's not going to be a contract that would warrant a would take a third or fourth round pick off the board. You're trying to measure against the fact that you lost Judon, you lost Judon, you lost Ngakwe. To this point, you have not signed anyone else's true free agents. Mm -hmm. So you're doing the math in your head, and you're saying, well, so it it equals out one of those guys. You're still likely, and there's somebody else they lost. I mean, they lost Willie Sneed. Sure. I don't know. um, Mark Ingram. They cut Mark Ingram. No. Yeah, okay. I'm trying to think of, of another, if they lost another true free agent. I don't think they lost another true free agent. Chris Moore? I, I mean, he, I, he wouldn't, I mean, it, it wouldn't qualify anyway. If, 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 I don't even remember. I guess he was a true free agent, but it wouldn't even qualify. LJ Ford, they brought him back. No, they re signed, yeah, and they so also had cut him sure. too before they even re signed him. So, so we're talking about three guys that were true free agents that they lost, and so it would cancel out one of those guys. So you would say, hey, if it's Willie Sneed that it cancels out, you weren't really going to get all that much for Willie Sneed anyway. So, so why not be willing to do it? And, and I guess, and this is the tricky part for me, my answer would be I don't know that any of these guys are really good enough at this point in their career where it's even worth giving up a potential sixth round pick for that player. I don't know. Like I, if I, think I did that it, they've got the need. Right? Like the need exists. I understand what you're saying. It's not going to fill it. But and and that's but it's, I'm it's, struggling with that. But you're you're. I think you're kidding yourself to think any one player outside of the the minuscule chance of hitting an absolute home run in the draft. I understand. That any one player is fixing the need. So you. You've got to turn different stones. And so what are the chances a sixth-round pick turns into that player? Like, I understand. It's not impossible. The Ravens have done things before. Judon was once the sixth-round pick And I'm not necessarily trying to tell you that I think it's it's that that pick specifically that ends up being that guy. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to come back to this. I don't think the difference between the player from this group that you end up signing before May 3rd is drastically different than the player that's available come May 3rd. I don't think... I, look, I would probably still take Ingram I haven't, I don't, over... I mean, Ingram is a guy that is, is feels more like a three-down, run-stopping and pass-rushing kind of player the way that the Ravens, you know, prefer... Now, I don't know. I can't think of instances of... And I'm sure Justin Houston offers more as far as setting the edge, then I'm giving him credit for. So in that sense, right, I do like both players. But Ingram was a guy that I remember I, the Ravens I also think that Tyus Bowser is going to have to be their edge setter. Like, I don't well, think that you're, you're – you're not re-signing him because he's the guy that goes and gets quarterbacks on the ground. He doesn't do that. That's he not, hasn't done that. Okay. And so, like, you're talking about – there being two distinct roles, there being an edge setter, and there being a pass rusher. Well, and, and that's the not edge exactly. Guys are gone in this fairness, year, right? that's like, not exactly what the Ravens have done. Fair enough, but right. regardless, it's new guys this year. They're going to have to figure something else out. Somebody's going to have to get to the quarterback, and so Bowser has the requisite athleticism to think he's at least capable. And if you're going to talk about guys on the roster currently, he's first in line. But that's the point, right? Is they need to add more. So. I would do it for a sixth-round pick probably in a heartbeat, but I still do think that, that they these guys have something to offer. I, I mean, do they have something to offer? This Maybe. F- these feel like the type of Ravens moves that you look back on and say, I mean, 
I liked it. And Doomerville is maybe the most recent, and he wasn't like he didn't knock your socks off, right? Like it wasn't like I was Doomerville was a star. I, I think we're 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 really stretching to try to compare any of these guys at this point in their career to where Elvis Doomerville was when when he came to Baltimore. Well, I think that even when Calais Campbell was brought aboard, right? Like you, it's it's not as if people were like, oh, at thirty four years old, this guy's definitely going to come in and be a real contributor. And I think people hoped. But Calais Campbell was also a deep, like he wasn't coming in to be a, correct, he plays a different possession. different things. A position. But I don't think necessarily that, and again, I didn't, I will add this disclaimer, I did not watch tape of Melvin Ingram or Justin Houston last year. And if they have proven to be completely sapped. Look, Houston is the one that you can look at and say, for the last four years, he's been on the field. And from a sack standpoint, he's been productive. productive. And it it requires you to go to advanced stats to to find like you really do start talking to yourself I way more into I mean Melvin Ingram I I don't know what you say about a year ago he played a half a season he had no production at all in the half a season that he played now would somebody in L A I don't even know if there's anybody in L A who follows the Chargers would somebody in L A tell me well he was really hurt even for the half of the season that he played and it was just about him being injured right would somebody say that maybe I don't know. But he played a half a season and did nothing, nothing in the half a season that he played, um, production-wise. Um, his, oddly, his advanced stats are a little bit better than his production, whereas Justin Houston's the exact opposite. And that's not to say he hasn't his, been productive, right? Seven sacks the two years prior, one of which in 13 games, and then ten and a half the year well, before. I'm talking, what I said was specifically about last year. He played a half no, a season no and did no nothing. There was arguing. zero production in his half a season that he played a year he had ago. an interception. Thank you. He had no production in his half a season a year ago. It, it's, it's bizarre. He was not terribly productive, but a little. He was productive enough in the couple of seasons before that that you can you can talk yourself into the idea that maybe all last year was was about an injury and if he's healthy he could be productive enough not a difference maker but productive enough to offer something you can talk yourself into that and again you can look at Justin Houston's numbers and easily talk yourself into the idea that well he has been productive he's been consistently productive and largely on the field in the last four years total, he's missed five games, and he's played 16 games in each of the last two seasons, despite now being in his 30s. You can talk yourself into the idea that Justin Houston is still a really productive player. That's where, again, the, the, the metrics make it weird, because in one, in one side, the metrics say Melvin Ingram was a little bit better than his utter lack of production, Whereas on the other side, the metrics say Justin Houston was not nearly as good as his mm-hmm. production. And Justin would Houston's say a year tackles ago. for a loss in his career are mostly his sacks. Correct. He's he's typically he's been a, a for the most part kind of a one trick pony, and that might be okay because it might be the Ravens are looking at a rotational type of thing I and hear saying. You, but it, I get it. it's a different cost than trading a second or third round pick thing for Unique Ngakwe to say like, hey, yes, it's, this guy that was not this. that was but not they a didn't correct deploy fit. him. No, it's, that's, even in that capacity, it's, it's part of the it's all of these things are part of this conversation, and it goes back to why I I cannot feel strongly that any of these guys stand out in any way that the guy that you could sign on May third is somehow significantly different than one of these guys being available. It, it just, I, it, uh, I'm not there. I'm not there with that being the case. 
and does it does it change how desperate you might be going into the draft? Perhaps, but I still think you're assuming you're going to sign someone when you go into the draft. And I don't think having Melvin Ingram on your football team before the draft versus saying we think we could sign Ryan Kerrigan two weeks after the draft, a week after the draft, whatever it is, should be changing your philosophy. If it does, I think that's a bigger problem. I think there's a bigger problem with the, well, within the organization. They, that they actually really like one of these guys, right? Like that they say. If they like that guy that much, I don't know why they wouldn't already be on the football team. I hear you. So I'm, I can't. It's really hard for me to jump aboard that. I, I think if they thought highly enough of any of these guys, you would have already gotten it done by this point. So today, the difference in signing Melvin Ingram today versus potentially signing Ryan Kerrigan, if for some reason somebody else were to sign Melvin Ingram. I, it, you're not, you're not going to sell me that they think it's that much of a difference. I, I, I and I walked through all of these scenarios in the column that's up today at PressBoxOnline.com, which again, a tradition unlike any other. No offense, Jim Nance, me giving away my Monday column on the Monday Glenn Clark Radio Show. One of the things that I would even throw in is somebody might say, "Hey, if the Ravens didn't like a player enough to be willing to lose a late round draft pick over him." Why should we think that player is really going to be all that much of a difference maker if they sign them in May? I mean, let's, but that's, you could go through history for the Ravens' compensatory picks and while they have but far and away but had the most through history played of that system best. What, 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 they, what some people want you to believe is that you can go through history and say the Ravens have always done a really good job of finding guys late in the process. That's not true. My point being, you can go through history. Right. And with all the picks the Ravens have gotten late in drafts using this formula, I'm sure you could find free agents who signed oh, that, and would have cost that, comp picks right, that, that, that would have been, been, been very it? helpful sure. players. That, that's More helpful than whoever it was they, they got. They use on the draft pick. I've talked that about that uh, eternally. We've had that conversation. And again, that doesn't make one or the other the correct answer. No, the Ravens clearly believe this is but, the way they want to do it. But it's fair to say... It, whether you're talking about a guy that's available on May 3rd or a guy that's available late in April, that the Ravens like that player so much that they allow them to sit around and let any other team sign them instead. And does that mean that they definitely won't be helpful or they definitely won't be quality? Or It doesn't mean that at all. But it's part of the conversation, and you can't ignore that. Like it, it, It's out there. This is a guy, whoever it is they sign, whenever they sign them, whether it's them signing Justin Houston this week or waiting a few weeks, and maybe it's Olivier Vernon that they end up signing, who, by the way, had nine sacks last season. I was caught off guard by that. I don't really, I didn't dive, dive too much into Olivier Vernon because I don't know. Playing across from, you know, arguably the yes, best I mean, that, rusher in it, football. It helps. Right, There's yeah, no, no doubt, doubt about that. Um, he's more of, it feels like a defensive end. I, he's always been that right. type, and so I don't, I don't even know if there's a fit there, but. I'm just going to use that name for the once sake of using that Once upon a time, got name. $84 million. He did. That did happen once upon a time. Um, I, I, whether, it's that, whether it's a guy this week or a guy in two weeks, my response is largely going to be the same. It's a guy. You know, the, the guys that you wanted already signed. These are the guys that are left. And it doesn't mean that it can't work out. It doesn't mean that you can't find somebody that gets into the right spot and is productive and a very helpful piece. But do I assume that? No, I'm not going to be celebrating 
any of the signings the Ravens make at this point. I didn't celebrate Sammy Watkins, and that was earlier than this. This at this point is maybe. It's maybe. Maybe you can find someone who works out. You have to find something that works in the draft. You have to. You have to, period. It's oversimplifying, or it's at least... It's taking away possibilities, right? Like it's you're. It's not as if it's impossible that a guy they sign either Nobody before said May third or no after. One, that has not been said. I'm saying they're signing guys that maybe could work out. Maybe they have a bigger problem. No Their problem is not that they need a one year stopgap in order to get through. They need to find edge rushers that are going to be quality football players. This it it would be a bonus if they could somehow find a guy that proved to be helpful in any capacity for this season, that's that's Well, they, you know, they, they need, that's they have cake a, they have a micro point. and macro need, right? Like, you can... The, the, the macro is far more significant than the micro. But that's not to say that if you didn't address the macro, you still couldn't find something to help the well, micro. Could, I'm, I'm not saying you... No, again, you're putting... You're saying things that, that are not what I'm saying. I'm not saying you don't sign anyone because it's only about the draft. I said the draft is far more important. It's I don't disagree. vastly more important than what they do in free agency at this point. I I still think I'm still inclined to say they should add in one more veteran. I'm not necessarily inclined that that needs to be somebody they sign before May third. I'm not. I'm, I just don't think these guys. The difference in who signs before May third, if any of them do, we think Clowney's going to, is is all that significant in comparison to the guys that might be available after May third. They might feel that way. Maybe they do, but you would be surprised they allowed this process to play out for as long as they did if they feel so drastically significant about one player in comparison to the others. If that was the case, I think they would have tried to get this done a week or two ago. That's my gut. I'm not telling you someone told me that. I'm saying deductive reasoning suggests it. But it doesn't mean that they don't start bringing these guys in, perhaps, this week, and then really do end up feeling significantly different about one player than they do about the others after they have visits, saying, hey, we thought all these guys are about the same, but we looked at three of them, and we don't think they have anything left. This guy we think might have something left, so now we change our mind, and we better make sure we sign that guy even if we have to sign him before May 3rd. That could prove to be the case. On paper, I don't feel so significantly different about any of these guys that I say, yeah, you need to make sure you get this guy signed before May 3rd. And I am eternally the guy that tells you I, I don't feel that strongly about the compensatory thing. But if I'm giving up a compensatory pick, I would have rather it been for a, a football player that might still be ascending at that point in their career than a guy who's clearly on the downslope of their career. We had this conversation when they signed Benjamin Watson once upon a time. I, I incredulously said, with no offense to Benjamin Watson, who I like, but it, it just didn't make sense for how they do business. This this is the guy that you're ripping up your 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 game plan for? And I would say that, it, you know, I could see the argument the other side saying if you're going to be giving up a compensatory pick, then, you know, in this world where we're talking about it being potentially in, Willie in Sneed, Willie Sneed or Judon's pick, mm-hmm. I'd rather them give up a sixth and a third. Well, yeah, I mean, of course. Like, that's that's fine. I'm fine with that. But I'd rather them get a good football player no matter what they have to give mm-hmm. up. Like, yes, it, it, 
all things being equal, would I rather them lose a sixth round pick or a third round pick? And we're just, we have no idea what we're talking about. We're just spitballing. It could be a fourth and a fifth that we're talking about. It could be two. Uh, whatever. Well, Judon's would be a third, right? Like we that was a fifty-five million dollar contract, we, right? Like but he's that still got to go play. He can't be hurt. The whole there's there's still a lot of qualifications to that, right? We think that's the case. Um, and and will likely be the case when we get to that point. It will likely be the case. Yes, of course. Will likely. God, now I'm going to do a Drew right, Forster bit in my mind. Man. Um, yes, I I in in a vacuum would of course rather give up a sixth than a third, but the trade-off isn't the same on the other end. If I'm giving up a third to get a really good football player, if you're talking about get, I can either give up a third for Kenny Galladay or a sixth for Sammy Watkins. Come on. I don't know. You know that, like, I don't know that that guy was out there on the. Edge, I don't know though, that they right? were. Like, I mean, I have to really think about. It. I can't even. I mean, Shaq Barrett was not really out there, right? Like he was there, but not really. Well, I mean. That would have been the guy, right? Like, that would have been the guy that you say, if I'm giving up a third-round pick for a player, I'm giving sure. it up for the signed Shaq Barrett. And I would have drastically preferred that. Again, none of these things are, are apples to apples that we're talking about. There's contact. And that's why this is a complicated situation now. That if we're just sitting here banging a drum saying, sign Justin Houston, okay, but let's talk about all of it. And somebody would say, you're, you're not willing to, to lose a, a potential, if, again, if it's a sixth-round, you wouldn't be willing to lose a potential sixth-round pick? Well, what if Willie Sneed doesn't qualify? The Ravens have to think about these things when they make these decisions. What if Willie Sneed ends up not qualifying for whatever reason? Now you're losing something more significant. Now you're losing what you would have lost for Unique Ngakwe. What's that, a fourth-round pick? Am I trading a fourth-round pick for Justin Houston for a year, likely, of Justin Houston into his 30s? Maybe... Maybe, but I don't know that. Did they release Scora? I mean, I don't think he's signed anywhere. He signed, he signed somewhere, somewhere did he? I think he did. Yeah, I believe. I he mean, did. I don't. If he signed, I'd be in a doubt that he signed for. I get it. Money. Do the signed in Miami? Is that where he signed? Yeah, he signed in Miami. Matt Scura contract. Sure, let's entertain this math. I'm the I'm, uh, one year, one point seven million dollars. Maybe. I, I mean, I maybe I don't, I don't know. think I don't know so. What that would but take, but yeah, I hear you. I, I you know it's probably about what Snead got, right? Uh, I think he got uh, three. Oh, I don't, I don't think it was one. Willie Snead contract. Willie Snead contract. Oh, it was about that. So, so it might be. That, I don't even know. If they, I don't know. Again, this is part of the problem with me having this conversation. I haven't done all of this work to figure out what the top thirty it. signings were to figure out who qualifies, who doesn't, right? Like, I can't do that math. So we're kind of just throwing things out there for the sake of throwing them out there. They have to think about all those things. My gut tells me this is a May 3rd thing. You're bringing all these guys in, looking at them, seeing who's there on May 3rd, and signing one at that point. That's my gut. They fall in love with somebody. They think it's somebody they have to sign. That's a different conversation. I'd be surprised. My gut tells me that's the case. And it's really about the quality of the player that's left at this point. It's just really about, I just don't feel strongly that any of these guys are an answer. And somebody might say, you know, did you feel that strongly about Sammy Watkins? I guess they're, you know, in fairness, they already have to lose uh, a compensatory pick because they signed Sammy Watkins. He was was in cut. No, Sammy Watkins was a free agent. All these things go into this conversation. My gut says this is a May 3rd topic. 
Today's show also brought to you by Stan the Fan and the Stan the Fan Variety Hour. Did a couple great shows last week. If you missed Mike Devereaux last Monday in particular, I would really encourage you to get to Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports or go to PressBoxOnline.com to check it out. He and Ross will be back at it tonight on Facebook Live. You'll be able to join them. All of Stan's shows brought to you by C3 American Exteriors. When we come back in, Jeremy Kahn joins us as he does every Monday. That's next. It's Glenn Clark Radio from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. At Glory Days Grill, they have great food and good sports. Glory Days Grill is a sports-themed family restaurant with 39 restaurants up and down the East Coast. Watch all of the games on a ton of TVs, and each table has its own wireless speaker so you can tune in to whatever game it is you're watching. Find out more about what's happening at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill right now by going to glorydaysgrill.com. C3 American Exteriors is the area's best and most trusted roof and siding specialist. C3 is also an insurance adjuster's worst nightmare and a homeowner's dream come true. With all of the bad weather, chances are you have some roof and siding damage. Call C3 American Exteriors now to get your roof and siding repairs for the cost of your deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. C3 guarantees a 48-hour rapid response. Call 401-9797 or go to C3America.com for a free analysis. Guys, we're almost there. As a lot of people have said, we are at the 10-yard line, but the COVID-19 pandemic is not quite over, so we need to continue to be vigilant, do the right things, including wearing our masks. And if we're going to wear them, why wouldn't we wear masks that represent our favorite teams and players? Home team masks available right now. Pressboxonline.com slash masks. we got a purple and orange state flag neck gaiter for you, as well as the Celebrate 8 MVP neck gaiter and an over-the-ear faded distressed state flag and traditional colors mask they're available pressboxonline.com slash masks let's get this over with wear our masks home team masks Baseball is back in full in 2021, and the bat around has got you covered from bell to bell. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, and you can catch me along with my co-host, Zach Goodman, every Saturday morning from 10 to 12 on the bat around right here at Press Box Sports. We'll break down every win, every loss, and everything in between, plus tell you who we take to rake each week as the Orioles look to get back in the hunt and bring competitive baseball back to Baltimore. Catch us at PressBoxOnline.com slash the bat around or at Facebook.com slash Sports. That's the bat around every Saturday morning from 10 to 12 right here at Press Box sports. It takes time to get rich, flavorful coffee beans from the lush mountain regions of Colombia and Brazil to Royal Farms, but less than a minute to get yourself a delicious hot cup of the finest and freshest coffee in the world, because Royal Farms' new Swiss-made coffee machines grind those rich, flavorful coffee beans and brew them one magnificent cup at a time. It's why Royal Farms makes the freshest and best coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Redefine your skills, inspire change, and make a difference. The Army offers the new generation of youth the ability to be part of something bigger than themselves, while also improving who they will become individually. Soldiers have the ability to impact the world in many different ways. The Army supports humanitarian missions ranging from the COVID-19 response to natural and man-made disasters. Visit GoArmy.com forward slash Baltimore. This is GlennParkRadio.com. Nothing but net. 
All right, back in here on GCR from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio of Pressbox Mobile One Full Synthetic Motor Oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center. Ask for Mobile One. Joining us now, as he does every Monday on GCR, here's our buddy Jeremy Kahn. Jeremy, you, are, like, this is stupid. If you guys did not see Jeremy Kahn's master's picks last week at PressBoxOnline.com, I want to share this with you. He gave you five names. And he gave you some guys with some 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 lower odds. Then he said, I'm going to throw out two names, guys that are plus 3,500 or more. The two names that he threw out at plus 3,500, uh, first, I'll give you a plus 6,000. Will Zalatoris, who I had never heard of at that point, at plus 3,500, the name he gave you, Hideki Matsuyama. How are you this good at effing golf? How? How? Well, I mean, <laughs> there's some studying that goes into it, right? I mean, there's... Uh... You know, like I've been following since last year's hit in the PGA. I, I've been like, li I listen to different podcasts leading up to it. The Masters is huge. So the one thing about uh, Zalatoris was that on the Corn Ferry Tour, everybody knew about him. So if you were playing like the smaller tournaments, he was the guy that everyone was talking about. And I just like the way he was playing. And I, I feel like he's one of those guys that the, the lights being at their brightest doesn't get to him. And, um, you know, like I, I it's like, so when you're when you're playing something that has odds like this, it's you're trying to find people that are in the mix. And the funny thing is, of the five golfers I got, uh, gave out, I finished one, two, and fifth with John Rahm. So um, and you know, like it, you're you're looking at the odds, you're looking at all the things that can factor in course history, things like that that matter. Who's playing well? Like Decky last year uh, played phenomenal in the first round and he's a guy that routinely on thursday and friday you're like oh yeah he's in the mix and then it seemed like he would melt down on saturday and sunday i like taking a shot on him especially the tournament the week before he had um he had a great first round and melted down and i'm like i, I think he can put it together and, you know did i expect him fully on to win no but you're looking for good odds and someone that you believe can win more times than not it doesn't work out in your favor but Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. Man, yeah, who knows? it's unbelievable, dude. Like, I could not. I'm like, this, no, no. It's unbelievable, <laughs> man. So it's crazy. So um, you know, did, you, did you have a good weekend? Yeah, I mean, it was nice. Um, I mean, I didn't go crazy like the like I normally would have. I mean, things have been – I just know I was going to have a really busy weekend. I played some DFS, and the, the thing that really pisses me off is that I couldn't make my lineups work. Um, as much as I wanted to, I, like, I didn't have the one team together that had, uh, Zalatoris, um, you know, John Rahm and mm. of course Hideki. Mm. I did have a team. So like on some of the teams that the best lineup that I had, which in the, the Millie maker they had this week, I finished in like the thousands, uh, all six of my golfers made the cut and I had two in the top five and I think four in the top 15, but it's, it just shows you how good some of these guys are and how hard it is though to win consistently like that. Um, so it was, it was a nice weekend. And on top of that, like the gambling stuff, Saturday, I said, I hated the NBA slate and that, but you know, if you wanted two games, I gave out two games, they both lost. And then I proceeded to go, you know, four and in major league baseball and three and in hockey yesterday was terrible, but like this whole last week I've been on fire again. So it's been nice. 
Uh, PressBoxOnline.com every day where you can go to see Jeremy Kahn's picks for the day to try to help you make some money. And, boy, I hope you played his golf picks last week. Boy, I hope you did that. Take it you did not. I did not. Yeah. I do not bet on golf. I have never bet on golf. And I said, I will pass because I don't know what I'm doing. And I regret <laughs> that decision. And I have this relationship between me and Jeremy Kahn's picks as – it's on me. It's not on him. It's on me. And that's the problem here. It's been not so great. But every day, PressBoxOnline.com. All right, let me get into a couple topics that I had for you today, man. We, we had this conversation last Friday on the show. At what point and what are the circumstances in the season where you go from, like, hardcore rooting for the Orioles to win every game to acknowledging when it's over? Not rooting for them to lose necessarily, but acknowledging, you know what, it's probably for the best. I think I'm. I've already done that. Like yeah. I, I always do that. Um, when I know they're like, I don't want to say always, but you know, knowing the circumstances, they're in a rebuild. So, the, I. It's so funny because there's somebody on Facebook that I wanted to call out and like, dude, everything you write is so negative. Like it's negative. Like you know, this isn't a good team. Like the, the odds told you they have zero point zero chance of winning the World Series. Or right. They, you know. Like, right. That's. It's telling you they're not a good team, and then you go online and you bitch every single day about every oh the bullpen's terrible. Valdez can only throw eighty five. Yeah, I mean all these things are true. Uh, the starting pitchers are only going four and two thirds or five innings, and they can't. It's like what do you expect? They're not good. They're they're just not. But it's baseball, and and I've said this about you know I I can watch a baseball game like a movie with a bad ending. Like I know what the outcome's going to be. It's not going to be great, and still enjoy the nine innings I've been watching baseball. Like yesterday's game, there was, you know, there outside of the the play at home plate, which was frustrating. JD Martinez just going bonkers. Devers hitting bombs every time they felt like they got back in the game. Something put it away, but I still enjoyed it. I mean, there were some great plays to watch, some things that I'd never seen before, and that's what I love about it. But you know, I I kind of, and I know it sounds kind of corny, and, and maybe I'm straddling the fence here, but like I just let the chips fall where they may. And I don't root against them. Like, if they win, they win. And I'm happy about it. But if they lose, I'm not unhappy about that. Right. You know? I don't know if that sounds about right to you. It's absolutely right. Like, I'm just not – and I I would say I'm not as emotionally invested. When the the game's exciting and something cool happens, I'm not saying that I don't enjoy it. I enjoy it, right? But, like Mm – this team can't hurt me. Like, they can't. It, it, it will hurt if Ryan Mountcastle continues to struggle. And that's the, the context that we've been having. Ryan Mountcastle is, like, the first guy that you can really look at and say he could really be a significant part of, of whatever this ends up being when it all comes together. So if Ryan Mountcastle really drastically struggles throughout the course of the season, that could hurt a little bit, right? Because that's the yeah. first time that you're really judging something by – by can this be a significant part of what this ends up looking like. But otherwise, I there are so few of these guys that I even look at as Orioles. And that's with no offense, right? Like I Freddie Galvis to me isn't an Oriole. He's a mercenary. He's just sort of here <laughs> to to be here. It's like I you know what I compared it to Jeremy. People got pissed off at me the year that Joe Flacco got hurt. I said, I'm openly rooting for the Ravens to lose every game. And I was I meant it that this is not what I'm even doing with the Orioles, right? Like I was openly rooting for the Ravens to lose every game at that point because I wanted them to have as high a draft pick as possible, and they were playing effing, you know, Ryan Mallett and Jimmy Clausen as their quarterbacks. They weren't really Ravens. They were guys. Oh, and the pickle boy was terrible, too. Yeah, I mean, the whole well. Clausen family. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Casey wasn't much better. That's a great point. Um, like, I, I just didn't they, – they're not – and that's what I feel about, like, Freddie, how could Freddie Galvis or Jorge Lopez ever hurt me? 
They're not really Orioles. They're just guys that are kind of, and maybe they're really nice guys, and I'm going to feel bad about this. I don't know them. But like they, they, and they could probably beat you up, so they could definitely okay, hurt you. Okay, they can't hurt me emotionally. They can't emotionally hurt me by their performance because they're they're just guys that are here for a minute. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's it's the only way to look at it. And I look, I get people are fans, and everybody wants them to win. I I kept saying this when I was on with Scott, and people were like, "Blow it up, just I want the rebuild." And I I, I said it ad nauseum, like you guys understand what a rebuild yeah, is, just it's how painful it is, in right? A year or two, right? It's, it's going. Especially the division they're in, more so than any other division in baseball, when you got the Red Sox and Yankees up top. Oh, by the way, look who's getting good. Look who mm-hmm. learned how to putt. The Blue Jays look pretty good. And then, you know, this Rays team that does the same thing over and over again, but they're always in the mix. Hell, they won the AL East last year and went to the World Series. So, you know, they're, all these things factor in, and, and I'm always shocked. I mean, maybe I shouldn't be at people's fandom and how quickly they think things are just going to turn around, or or even to the effect of, they sweep the Red Sox, and we talked about it on your show, like how many times they struck out, and people are just looking at the wins and losses like, yeah, we've finally taken that step forward. It's like, yeah, but are they? Right. I mean, look, are right. are they, they really? Like, they, they're individually you're looking at certain things, and then from the minor league standpoint, they've clearly leaps and bounds. No so, took a right. huge step no forward. And, and the process, too. But on the field results, it's not there yet. And by the way, b- bad teams will win three baseball games at some point, right? Like, you play 162 of them. You're going to win three of them at some point. That's the way mm-hmm. it's going to work. So the notion that one weekend was suddenly going to say, well, this proves they're going to be a great competitive team. Well, no, it didn't. It doesn't disprove it either, right, over three games. But that's the point. The point is it's three games. No matter what happens in three games, you've got to be willing to say it's just three games. It doesn't mean all that much. We can't overreact to it. You want to have hope for the sake of having hope because it's the beginning of a season. I totally understand that. I get it. You don't, you know, hey, baseball just started. I want to have stupid hope for the sake of having stupid hope, right? Like who knew the 2012 Orioles were going to end up being a competitive team. But to to have expectations, oh, yeah. No, come on. We're not there yet. We're not there <laughs> no. yet. Jeremy Collins. Yeah, go ahead. You know, just, just to piggyback off of that, and, and like we're not telling you to root against your team. We're not telling you to not be happy. I, I'm very careful with those words games. that I use, by the way. I, don't, I yeah. openly rooted against the Ravens in the end of that season because it was the end of the season. But and, that makes sense to me. Like, and most people can't fathom it. Like, and, and I hate when people are like you. Who was it? Uh, Jason Kelsey of the Eagles. Oh, yeah. Like some of these other guys speaking up. Was, we owe it to every – for what? Like, well, but what, I'm not. What do you mean you owe it? As I said, I'm like not telling. I don't want these guys to go quit. Like I'm not. I'm not on the team. <laughs> like yeah. if if you're playing, you got a job to do. I understand that. I'm saying that at a certain point in the season, it's two over two years ago, or th- was it th- was it two years ago? Now that we're talking about two years ago, when the Orioles, it was three years ago when the Orioles and Ra- Royals were playing in September mm-hmm. with the number one pick at stake. I couldn't pretend as though I wasn't openly rooting against the Orioles at that point. Because well, so, that was significant. And, Glenn, it, it makes total sense, and this is what bothers me. It's like, you know, and I know I'm, it's another bad analogy, but when you're playing spades, do you throw out the best card every single time? No. No, because no. you realize if your partner's won the goddamn book, you don't need to. Correct. You throw, you throw one away so you have it for later, and that's what makes sense in sports. In the grand scheme of things, as long as you have a draft where teams are slotted, depending on how they do, and even in the NBA where the lottery is set up to, to benefit teams for losing more games, you don't go out and tell your players to lose, but you do put an inferior product out there because you're, I'm doing air quotes here, watching the players and wanting to see if they're part right, of the right. if they Correct. grow. Correct. But you're putting out an inferior product knowing that the likelihood of them losing is greater than them winning. 
And again, you're a fan. You you don't you have you you don't impact what happens in the game. I'm all I'm saying is that I know which result is better for me. And I'm not saying that in April. I'm not sitting here telling you you should be rooting for the Orioles to lose. Well, I'm almost there in now, April. right? Like I try it doesn't right, take much. Like, I'm with you, Kyle. It doesn't take much for me to start feeling that like but I'm not I'm not even at the openly rooting for them to lose no, portion. It's just the I'm understanding the, the reality. Yes, the the nodding my head when the game is over and saying, "Yes, it's frustrating. I don't like going through it." But I know deep down inside what the better outcome is for how the season plays out and what they still need to make this thing work down the road. That's it. I'm not telling you to root against your team or any of those things or, or to ignore them or to not go to the games. Or that's, that's all up to you. I'm saying right now it's easier for me when the game is over to sit back and say, yeah, it doesn't bother me. <laughs> like, I'm just yeah. I'm not bothered. Well, I heard the quote. No, I don't remember if it was on your show, if it was on the post game show. I know you guys had Buck on, uh, Show Walter, that is. And, um, or you interviewed him not that long ago, right? Yeah, a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago, yep. Yeah, and he made the statement. He says, well, why Why do the teams that play poorly get rewarded with the top overall and, pick? And this like, is trying to get them better, but, like, wouldn't they be better served if you said, hey, you got to try this thing yep. out. Start, yep. start and, drafting and, and better I, and. You know, we you talked know. about that with Buck, and I, I said, look, it's not it's not something we want to hear right now in Baltimore because this is where we are, right? But in general, like if, if all things were equal and you presented that scenario to me in 2014, I would say for the good of the game, I get the point that you're making, that you inherently we want everyone to try. When you, in American professional sports, as much as it costs to go to games, as much, we inherently want everyone to be trying and to get the best possible competition that you can. Well, the right? concept of parity. Yes, you know, we it want It used that. to be an expectation, but now it's sort of... Yeah, but, but right now we're in the throes of this thing in Baltimore, <laughs> and we're not... At, our taste for that is not the same as it would have been in 2014. You're also acknowledged that, like, it is grades of difficulty more for a small team in a market... That yes. is not yes. large in baseball specific. To try to make that difference up no and doubt. get themselves no to a point where they're, you know, whatever would be the number one overall pick in this other scenario. All right, I got something more important for you today. Mm-hmm. Even more important. This was passed along to me this morning by my buddy Justin Labor. The next ESPN has announced the next thirty for thirty that they're doing. The topic is American Gladiators. Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah, that reaction is the same. I am all in. Why don't they just bring it back? This is what I want to talk about. Yeah, like, what, they're going to make this whole... So, so we all agree, and I would like to hope. I'll start, Jeremy. You would agree, American Gladiators, the greatest competition show in the history of competition shows, correct? Yeah, I often dreamed about, as a 13-year-old boy, Zap holding me down, doing all kinds of awful things to me. Oh, and now I'm yeah. trying to remember, was Zap a girl or a guy? Yeah, now, now i got to really think through what you just... <laughs> all of what you just said is really kind of... Either way, I'm in. It doesn't matter. <laughs> American you were on Gladi- Gladi- <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you're good. Yeah. I don't care anymore. You're good. Uh, the first I'm- time someone told me they were making a Gladiator movie, and I got really, really excited. <laughs> you thought it was going to be about Blaze, right? <laughs> <laughs> you're like, oh, uh, it's Russell Crowe? I don't understand this at all. That's, of course, an iconic, great film. Um, so I am at this place where I, they did this once in the mid-2000s. It was dreck. It was absolutely awful. The reboot they put together with Hulk Hogan of American Gladiators on NBC. It's one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. And it was because they were trying to make it like a dramatic television show instead of being the campy, 
perfect competition show that it was on Saturday mornings when I was sitting at the barber shop with my dad growing you want up. The, you want that yeah. energy, the nineties energy, nights, yes. nights of the hidden temple. So kind this of thing, is my question. Could an American Gladiators reboot work, or do we have to accept that it was what it was, it worked at the time, that time has come and gone, we can still enjoy reruns whenever they're on, but as far as television is concerned, that time is over. I think it could work, but it has to be done right, right? I mean, like, you know, these uh, things that are eerily similar to it, it's not the same thing, but, you know, the... um American Ninja Warriors and, and these competition shows with running essentially what is the end of American Gladiators with that gauntlet, right? But you, you're not actually facing, you know, what we believe to be superhumans out there uh, competing against them. So I, I loved all that, whether it was, you know, them running around trying to get the, the balls in those little... Powerball power is the greatest thing that ever happened in the history of humanity. Yeah. When I was watching and, Abilene Christian a couple weeks ago and all they were doing was driving on every possession, all I could think about was Powerball. It's all I could yeah. think about is how badly I wanted Powerball back in my life. That was the one game I thought I would have been unbelievably good at, even against the Gladiators. Really? Yeah. Is um, it just because you play football and, like... Football and basketball. Like yeah, the, yeah. The spin move, setting guys up. Like, even when I was like when I was younger and I was playing in these full contact leagues and I would go to tournaments, my like, I was a lot smaller, but they would put me at defensive end because I was really fast. And, like, I'd be going up against six, seven you know, 270-pound dudes that if they got their hands on me, it's lights out. But I would always try to avoid them in some way and use footwork. But it's neither here nor there. But, like, I would always, as a kid, the tennis ball, you know, with the, the machine where they're up there shooting tennis yeah, what, balls. What, 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 was that, what was that called? I can't even remember the names of these games. It's been so damn long. That was Wall ball. That was, no, that was the best one of all that of them. That was tennis uh, ball machine game. That's the one yeah, where you would shoot ball. the gun. Yes, the you gun would, there would be ball. five stations yeah, set up. They would be shooting the at rocket. you. Yeah. Right, you get a rocket, you get a Nerf gun, you get a, like... And then the last one would be the tennis balls you could throw if you got that close. But then once yeah. you were that close, they had to hit you, right? Like, you were right in but, front of them. Yeah, they were firing tennis balls at you, and they said they were going up to, like, over 100 miles an hour. You're like, damn, that that sounds like it's it's awful. But it was, you know, you need the right gladiators. You need the right – it's the same thing in wrestling. Like, and, and I know you are you guys are big into wrestling. I tried to watch some of WrestleMania. Kyle is not. I, I, feel I like, assure you, Kyle is definitely – it's just me. Okay. It's just me. I just – I hate today's product. Like, I literally, when my friends were watching, I was having drinks with them on Saturday night. I'm like, this guy sucks. That guy sucks. He's terrible in the mic. I've seen this before. What are we doing here? Wow. Like, I, what an it, old it, curmudgeon you are. Damn. Well, I, I guess. But it, so it's funny because my, my buddy's fiance, the NWO was there, and, and they showed him. And well, she's they, like, are they fighting tonight? And I said, yeah, osteoporosis. Yeah, they look really – those guys look bad, man. They have not <laughs> aged well. And, except for X-Pac, who's probably done the most drugs of all of them, and yet has somehow yeah. managed <laughs> to age okay. Well, he spent one night in China. So, that's that's um, a fact. Anyway. We've, we've all seen. <laughs> we've all uh, seen. No, but I think the gladiators thing could work. But you got to have the right gladiators. You know, you got to have – like, I know you have these – Superhuman-looking people, but so I, can they, you know, it's weird. Can Jimmy, they sound evil. I think know? it's. Like, I think it's less about the glad. You know what was so dreadful about the 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 reboot attempt? The announcers. But then exactly right, right. Instead of doing it like a sporting event, they did it like a. F, I almost said the F word. They did it like an effing reality show. They did mm-hmm. it with this voiceover guy and and here we and have try, it was it was just it wasn't the same thing. It looked like any of these stupid reality shows. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they Jeremy's, had that guy. What was his name? The Wolf, and he just kept howling or something. I just wanted to punch. Him yeah, in that. The face. I mean, that's that's Jeremy's not a thing. point about American Ninja Warrior is the one that rings most true, in my opinion. Is that this is 
I don't think it's that many grades off of, as far as a competition is concerned. And I mean, the way you, that you, you can, can need certainly to have compare the American Ninja Warrior course to the finale right. of American Gladiators. Is I mean, like, the way that they call and narrate the play-by-play -play -play and analysis of American Ninja Warrior is the way that you would need to do American, American Gladiators. I, I agree. I, like, I, it's not, like, that far off. Is the Larry Zonka still with us? Is he? I believe so. He's <laughs> always posting his ring and talking about how to Oh, that's right. Lose. He is. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. I forgot about that. Yeah. So, I mean, I would be fine giving it back to Larry. He was perfect in that role. He was – I don't know who the modern-day Larry Zonka is, but I think that that's the point. It's not for – the YouTube personality. No offense, this is not for Pat McAfee. It's not for yeah. someone trying to get themselves over, right? It's for someone who genuinely enjoys the competition and can react accordingly, right? That's who I think Carrot that top. role nailed it. That's we've we've done we've done all the work. <laughs> um, I'll watch anything as long as Nick Cannon's not involved. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm opposed to that. Well, that, hang on a Reveal second. the revealing item. Okay. You would, you would I, watch I, him for what it's worth. I have never watched that. I, like I've never watched even a second of it, but I did watch a lot of Wild and Out back. I watched Wild and Out. I, I watched a watch lot the of Wild Nick Cannon out. show back on Nickelodeon. I, when never, I was a that young was, that was, you that, I was a kid. I was. Yeah, I know. I'm saying we were too old. We were too old for that to have been a part of our lives. The Nick Cannon show. I am with you. I think it could work i fear like they've already done this to me once you know how like uh i'm trying to make a comparison here um just get blazer laser we, taser. you bring something back almost to purposely kill it off i uh you're you were you a wrestling fan when when wwe attempted to bring back ecw jeremy yeah look i loved wrestling up until probably about 2005 and okay all right it just faded out so wwe once brought back ecw which, for people that don't know, professional wrestling, ECW was this hardcore wrestling thing where, like, people were attempting to kill themselves in in driving. Like, yeah, they like, would ever watch a Sabu match where? Yes. Just... Did you ever see? Uh, if you've ever seen the movie The Wrestler with Mickey Rourke, there was mm -hmm. an ECW wrestler named the Necro Butcher that was involved in that, and he was like stapling himself. I mean, he was uh, that that scene in The Wrestler was psychopathic, and that's what ECW was all about. And WWE attempted to resurrect ECW, but what they did was not that. They just yeah. called something ECW that was in no ways interesting or hardcore or extreme. And by doing so, they made people stop wanting ECW back. Oh, this is you didn't hear that this is Sports Center. What's that? We're, this is we're live on Sports Center right now. What 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 this is, this is like ECW bit. We're calling it something that it's not. Oh, okay, yeah. guys. Sorry, thank Thank's you. Doing. That's exactly yeah. what it would be. They, they would be comparing that. Thank. I didn't know what you were doing there. I never know what you're doing in there. Where the meatloaf? The meatloaf. Kyle. I, I never. The meatloaf. I never know what she's doing back there. Um. So th I'm almost nervous that another like failed American Gladiators just ruins it for me at that point, and I'm like, I Wasn't don't. Seth Rogen. I don't want it back. What? Wasn't Seth Rogen attached to American American Gladiators? Gladiators? Not as a participant, but as like somebody who was trying to bring it back. Is that a thing? Do I, I not like know about that? At one point, I heard about that. I mean, maybe. I mean, I think I'd be. A, like I vaguely it, recall that being a thing, and maybe I invented that. And yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I just yeah. made that up on the fly. Right? Yeah, believe. and it's absolutely. We're live on Sports Center. No. Uh, <laughs> hang on a second. Rights holder MGM was developing an American Gladiators revival with Seth Gold Rogan and Evan Goldberg, who of course 
was uh, Seth Rogen's partner in so many of those films on his executive producer. That was one of my favorite things they wrote about him. It says, how ugly is Seth? Yeah, Seth is Sethy, had another dick joke on page seven. Uh, <laughs> what's, uh, what else is going on in your world, dude? Well, you know, like I said, I tried to watch wrestling, and, and I'm one of those guys where I'm around people that love it. And I like when I say I was a wrestling fan, like I was a fanatic. Like I still have, like my my wife's like, what are you gonna do with all these box re- wrestling figurines? I have all the old ones, all the collectibles. Like I got a ton still in their boxes, and I don't even know what they're worth or even if I could sell them. And I got some very rare stuff, but uh, but the fact is, like watching it now, it just does nothing for me, and it's so weird. All my friends who just love it and eat it up, and I'm going, this guy's terrible. Like, I would love nothing more than to punch AJ Styles in his face. I think he's the worst human being I've ever wow. met. Wow, but isn't that, but, the, but hang on, that's him. the point. Like, they want you to hate AJ Styles. No, but that, that was when he was the good guy. <laughs> that's oh, well, that's not great. That's not great. <laughs> so I, he's got I, some really unlikable qualities as a human being, but as a professional wrestler, I think he's pretty good. Is he endorsing Pert Plus? Am I like, oh, he does do the conditioner man. and the shampoo and man. all in one? Man, man, um, it's rough. So, no, but like even watching, like there are very rare ones where I'll see something and like I, I like what they're doing with Bray Wyatt and I like. You know, there's some other wrestlers, and for all my friends, like I don't need to see Bad Bunny on any show. Okay, like, but he like, was really good. No, it's, oh, it's, look, that's, Jeremy, that's, it's a step below David Arquette as far. No, as no, yeah. he was no. really good, man. Yeah, this I, is where I know trust you're me. Just a I, no, 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 no. I'm not. Look, I, I, no, I tip, actually even second. heard that he was pretty. Wrestling good. fans normally hate everything that, like, like. I heard who, he was who the, who best the other guy? ever. The best Logan, Logan Paul was direct and i've got friends who are like oh he took a stunner it it ruined kevin owens versus Sami Zayn. these are two this has been the greatest saying, rivalry in all of yeah the greatest rivalry in all of professional wrestling for a decade they got to do a match at wrestlemania and they somehow to make it about this douchebag wasn't kevin owens who in offered Detroiters? nothing no that was kevin yeah, nash, kevin nash okay. was in detroiters yes i see and um, here's here's the thing here's my issue i hate when they do this when they bring in rappers musicians even f- former athletes like yep. the, the thing was like carl malone dennis rodman looked the part but they're not wrestlers and when they bring in these other guys the david arquette stuff was one of the some well of the that worst was horrible yes that was obviously and then horrible. he actually ended up being the champion which was just it, so well it then helped that helped end wcw though was making that yeah. decision for that what was it's worth, they had to promote Twitter, their stupid ass movie twitter that, could not stop talking about how Prepared and much work I, I, Bad Bunny I could, put and into. And by the way, I wanted. I'm I, because I'm a wrestling fan. I'm inclined to hate all of this, but the storyline was actually largely really good. And I don't care about Bad Bunny in any way. I am. This is not. not I'm not. This is this thing where it's like it's not for me. The, but the music he does is not for me. Well, you've right? detached yourself largely from your Latin heritage. Correct. I know. I got a lot in my background, right. but it's just not. <laughs> I've kind of denounced all of it. Um, it's just not for me. So I'm not a Bad Bunny guy in any sort of way. But he killed it. He killed it. I don't know what you're no. talking about. He was Negative. amazing. Negative. That thing Ghost he Rider. did on the outside of the ring, professional wrestlers can't do. I don't it, know what it, that thing was. They called it a bunny no. destroyer. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life. I thought it was something with the can- Canada. I saw Canada talking about talking about Canada. What? Canadian something. Well, that's it's a modified Canadian destroyer. I don't know what that yeah. means, but that's what it's, I read. It's insane. It was insane. You're it's a sucks. hater. Well, he also posted you? a uh, nearly full nude picture before he went eh, on. Good for him. With like a toaster oven <laughs> blocking his, his junk. If I look like him, I might do the same thing. I don't. In fact, I don't look like him, and I've done damn near it the was same like, thing. It was like WrestleMania day, and it was like, yeah, like that's. Dude, you tell me that what human being can do this. Yeah. 
Yeah, you tell me. I about had to that. watch it and pause it a few times. What to am try I even seeing? What am I even looking? Who like? had the leverage and all that? <laughs> right. I was like, who's? What is going on here? It's unbelievable! Unbelievable! But, you know. All right, what's coming up on the Big Bad Morning Show this well, week? Definitely not Bad Morning. <laughs> you hate that guy. I don't. I just. I. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. Him. The Corona I commercials are terrible. They are yeah. the worst. I don't hate them as much as you. How, how could there is nothing there? There's nothing There's there. A beach. Thank you. Like, remember at the Super Bowl when J-Lo was coming out and they said, she's coming out with Bad Bunny, and I went, who? Yeah, what by the way, the, again, what? I recognize he's extraordinarily famous. No, there was definitely and, a point for other people that did not know who he was where suddenly Bad Bunny was a thing and everyone was talking about it, and you looked around like, I, I, who? It's not, then, again, it's you know. not for me. It's and, and, like, I've listened to his music. It's I'm not telling you it's good or bad. It's just it's not some, for It's got some wavy vibes Maybe. To it, you know? It's just it's, not for me. This he is performed on top not, of a bus And I don't just like his music. I don't. Yeah, I like. I'm fine with his music. Yeah. It's not my like. It's not something I'm not going to buy a CD and play. Sure. It comes on or if it's out, and you know, I'm not going to turn it buy his CD, like, Jeremy. Sam. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to yeah, go over to Going to go down to Sam Goody and I'll pick it up. Going to camp outside the CD. <laughs> Dude, one of the so funny. I just thinking about that. I remember going to Walmart to buy. Like I was buying CDs, and they were out of. I forget which artist it was that I wanted. And I went to Circuit City. They were out, so I went to the nearest Walmart and I bought it, not realizing that. Oh, it was the Walmart clean version. Had, yeah, yeah, you, everything yeah. censored. Right. So I had like some album where all the f bombs are like freaked <laughs> right. out, and I'm going, "This is the worst thing I've ever heard." You I went, paid for seventy percent of an album. It was he went and bought the Juvenile record, yeah, and right. it kept saying, "Back that thing up." He's like, "I don't understand this. This isn't the song that I." <laughs> <laughs> it's so good, but yeah, uh. it's just Rob and I all week this week, and. Um, I know coming up tomorrow, we're, we're going to start looking at the NFL draft. How are you handling his ego coaches. after he got to be the MC on Thursday? Oh, How man, are... I just – so here's what we do, and, and hopefully this doesn't come across the wrong way, but yeah. uh, he he was like, hey, man, I just want to let you guys know. Like, he was super proud of the situation. Like, hey, I, I, I get to, you know, call the players out for the orange carpet on opening day, and it is. Like, all of us would eat that up oh, if we God. had a chance it's, to do it growing no up question. Fan. No question. So you could see how happy he was. And uh, about it, when he like when he sent the text, and he was like super proud, and everyone in our group chat for the show was liking it, saying, "Hey, man, congrats!" And I just wrote, "I miss Jim Hunter." Left it at that, and just and he just sent me a text. Uh, I can't even read it. There's a couple f bombs in there, but you know, it's just our relationship. We just bust each other's balls. But yeah, really cool um, to see that and that he got that opportunity. But um, but you know, like, uh, and I didn't even get to go to. This is the first time in probably a decade that I didn't go to opening day. Wow. Wow, man. How about that? All right, all right. This week, Big Bad Morning Show, 105.7 The Fan. And, of course, every day, PressBoxOnline.com to see his picks at JeremyCon1057 on Twitter. Appreciate you, pal. The only fans to see his picks. Yeah, yeah, to see the other picks. Exactly right. All right, pal. We'll talk to you next Monday. Bad Bunny. All right. He hates Bad Bunny. What a weird bit that is. Why does he hate the guy? Dude, I, I don't think he hates him. I think he hates I wanted, wrestling. I wanted now. to hate him, but he was really good. From what I gather, he did as good a job as he anybody. Was really good. From what I gather, he did better than wrestlers. Jesus Christ. He definitely did better <laughs> than wrestlers. He 1,000% did better than wrestlers. Holy crap. The ladies love Bad Bunny. Do they? Are they? They really do. I don't know if I... He is a he is a sex symbol. Is he? He's very much like he's... He's not gender fluid, but like he's got like he wears some style style stuff that like is oh, okay. qualified as like women's clothing. And sometimes you is know, this, is this like a Harry Styles situation? I don't know. He's got his own swag. I good for, him. Good for yeah. him, man. I'm not. Th- again, this is not. I don't dislike Bad Bunny. He's just not right. 
for me. That's, I don't listen to him, but like, like I, there's I some things. Him. There are things that are for me. I he, saw. I liked when he did the. I was. It was cool when he did a concert on top of a literal I mean, bus in New York City when the pandemic was happening. Right. right? Like there was just a giant bus playing loud music with him performing on top. That was cool. It's, it's unique. Right. I mean, but it's it's. I no, if I walked up on that, I would have been like, right. I this just isn't my thing. I would have like, watched it out of the novelty, but wouldn't be yeah. like, yes, my song. Glory Days Grill has great food and good sports. They're a sports-themed family restaurant with 39 restaurants up and down the East Coast. Each table has its own wireless speaker, so you can tune into whatever game you're watching at Glory Days Grill, and they are celebrating their 25th anniversary. Right now on the menu, the zucchini fries, the smoky thigh wings. We've had them. Oh. Double bacon and cheddar burger, which is such a perfect combination of words. You're like, you know, bacon and cheddar burger sounds really good. You know what would be better? Double. Barbecue chicken bowl with ancient grains, a strip steak sandwich, the silver anniversary IPA, and more. Glorydaysgrill.com to find out more. You know who was for me, and I'll just take a minute here. DMX was for me. Um, and And at a certain age was a ubiquitous part of everyone's life. And I tried explaining this. Like, I think a lot of people talk about Outkast as being the hip-hop act that most crossed like um, walks of life, that everyone was into Outkast. That's in a different... You know, we're talking about a different stratosphere. I was... DMX. I was younger, but like, I, was, I wasn't into Outkast as much when I was younger than I was DMX. That's interesting. That's interesting. DMX, DMX the first album I ever bought. DMX crossed... Every I, I tried explaining this when I was in high school. Kids that were gothic, that listened to Marilyn Manson, that put um, you know makeup and and were all black and that type of kid mm-hmm. would hear Rough Riders anthem and start singing along. Everyone loved DMX. I shared a story on Facebook on Friday about an interaction. My favorite teacher of all time, the teacher, and I say favorite, the teacher that did more for me as far as pointing me in a direction in my life. And that's what, no, I had a lot of wonderful teachers. I talk about my math teacher, Mr. Radcliffe, all the time, who cared very much about all this wonderful person. But this is the one who introduced you to quantum physics. Right, and then got me to where right. I am today. Correct. Right? Uh, I had an 11th grade journalism teacher named Miss Cawthorn. And Miss Cawthorn, I, I took the 11th, the journalism class almost like on a, on a LARF. Like, it was an option. I was like, eh, sure, I'll see Jules what this was is all about. So you were like, yeah. I don't, th- it wasn't Jules, but there was a girl. <laughs> I wish I could lie about this. There was a girl that was involved. And how that story ended up is particularly interesting, but I'll save it for another day. And I took Miss Cawthorn's 11th grade journalism class, and she was so invested in us as people and trying to figure out if these were things that we were really interested in and, and to teach us skills and was a protector. She was a protector. You weren't going to dunk on her. Let's put it I, that way. I got, yeah, I got a ticket once when I was on my um, provisional license. It was, And I don't know what the rules are these days. But back You're in the supposed day, to wear pants, yeah. Back in the day when you would get your license. You could get your license on your 16th birthday. And, but when you had your license for like the first year, you couldn't drive after midnight. I don't know what the rules I are these days. I vaguely recall that being a thing. So I do recall that being a thing. I, like right before my 17th birthday, I think about May of that year, I went to a concert at Hershey Park on a Sunday night, and on the way home, I got a ticket. Mm -hmm. I got stopped, I got a ticket. 
And I was in the next day talking about it. And, that, you know, like in Miss Cawthorn's class, you would have these conversations. It We're was in the a, same pajamas. Correct. And, well, before. in fairness, I probably was. And Miss Cawthorn was like, what are you doing? I'm like, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, I'm going to, you know, I'll, I'm going to go to court. I'm going to, like, go through the whole process. But I'm going to represent myself. Like, I'm, it's going to suck. And she said, well, I'll tell you what. I'll come with you, but only if you agree to write about the experience and what you learned and we'll put it in the school newspaper. And I was like, really? She was like, yep, I'll do that. This is how good of a teacher Miss Cawthorn was. Like, it wasn't that she was just going to go do it to, like, have my – she was going to go do it, but I was going to learn in the process, and I was going to do some work because of it. And I got probation or something like that, and she was – it was very kind of her. But the point being, I had this wonderful day one day. I, we all love DMX from the moment we first heard him. But the, the, I, I don't know if you can take, back, take yourself back to the point where you first heard the song Party Up, which transcends any genre in the history of music. It was, you didn't need to hear it even the entire way through the first time to realize you were dealing with an iconic song that was going to transcend time and space and it was going to be eternally remembered forever by anyone who liked any genre of music ever. Even if you weren't necessarily a DMX fan the way that we all were, the first time you heard Party Up, you knew it was going to be an anthemic jam that would exist forever. And so the first time we heard it, we lost our minds, and we were all walking around school screaming out, y'all going to make me lose my mind. And one day, a group of us were walking down the hallway, and we're belting out this song, and we just happened to be like walking by some teachers that were giving us crap, and then we happened to walk by Miss Cawthorn's class. And this was literally like a day or two after the song. Miss Cawthorn was older. She was, um, I don't know, probably in her... I, I don't even want... You know what? This is probably not something you're supposed to do, so I'm not even going to guess. All I will tell you is that she actually retired after this particular year. And we're walking down, and we're getting side-eyed by some of the younger teachers, and Miss Cawthorn instead jumps out of the room, comes into the hallway, and starts singing with us and dancing with us as we're walking. And it was just this, this moment I'll never forget in my life about what a teacher can be and, and the role of teachers in your life and how significant they truly are in, 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 in all sorts of ways. And it has always meant something a little bit more that like the soundtrack of that moment was DMX. And I was unbelievably, my wife and I like literally had a moment on Friday night because I'm not going to try to pretend like DMX meant to me like what Prince did, but I don't think we realized just how much DMX meant to us in a certain point in our lives. And we sat down on Friday night and we just started, we just put together a playlist. The kids were over at their grandmother's house and they made their own playlist. Yeah. I'm, well, they, right. of course, they had their gonna, own favorites. Correct. You know, I don't want to force anything right. on them. I'm not going to try to tell them which DMX songs they should love the most. You know, it's a weird one. I love, I've always loved stop being greedy. I don't know why I love that song so much. I love that song. It's I literally always... bought the Great Depression in third grade without my parents knowing and would hide it. Sure. I mean, I was not, I was ad- advanced enough in my life that I didn't have to do some of those things, but there was still a little yeah. bit of a, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to listen to it the same way that I would want to when my parents were home. I bought Grand Champ. Uh, it was 2001, I think, and it was it sounds that right. or yeah. Lord Willen from Clips. Okay. Both would have been good choices. I mean, I had both of those records for uh, sure. But I bought Grand Champ, double disc, of course. Yep. And I mean, look, he was 
man. He was. Yeah, he's the best, man. God, one he of was a kind. The best. He was the absolute. And best. I mean, it is nice seeing the outpouring of support and love, but not only that, but like seeing how much that dude lived, right? Like, yeah, sure. It was not. This, I love this that. is a little different than like, you know, I was I'm a Mac Miller fan, right? Like Mac Miller, I was growing yeah. to really like more and more as he continued his career, and then of course he died. Right. And so it feels like you were deprived of some of what was going to be his best work, right? You say it was mm-hmm. Chris Farley as well. Like, you don't have that same feeling here. No, but he's still it, of it, course, it, right? way too young. I mean, way too young and, and with a lot of kids. Sure. And, and, and you know, the hearing the stories of his kindness, I think, have really blown people. Like, that story of the woman no that he met on an airplane. Yeah, no like, doubt. 100%. Jesus Christ, For sure. Man. He was like, a truly genuine that's individual. unbelievable. Um, he didn't seem to really change, despite yeah, his fame. I mean, I you know, I, and I and I think that people are understanding, like even even among in an era, a golden era for for hip hop, um, he really did stand out. No, well, he was different um, than what was going on he when he came out. So right? like, different, so different, so interesting. Like, the shiny suit crew, essentially, like it was a very much a stark contrast and, to the Diddy bad boy, yep. grandiose flash. I mean, it was grittier, but it was also. It yet he, and yet he still put together some of the biggest anthemic songs mm-hmm. of a generation. Um, man, that that sucked. I mean, it just sucked, and it hit me really, really hard. How significant DM? I mean, every party you went to for for years, you were going to hear DMX songs. You were they were a part of your life. Your friends would get together in a car and scream them out together. I mean, he was a significant part. Of um of a certain time in our lives, so I I I was thinking about that all weekend and how much it really hit me, uh, how sad I was about the death of DMX. <sighs> all right, uh, we still need to get one more break in because we've been backed up a little bit today. When we come back in, we'll get a tidbit. We'll get tubular to wrap up today's show. It's been brought to you by KNS Automotive in Hamden. For over 40 years, KNS Automotive has been restoring, repairing, and maintaining foreign and domestic vehicles with a focus on exceptional workmanship and quality customer service. Everything from oil changes to major body work. Call KNS now, 410-235-6660. Go to knsimports.com. That's KNS Automotive, knsimports.com. This is how you get a premium cup of coffee. Better and faster than the drip, drip, drip method. And way better than a large urn of lukewarm coffee made who knows when. At Royal Farms, our new Swiss-made coffee machines grind fresh premium beans on the spot and then brew them one cup at a time for the freshest, most flavorful cup of premium coffee you can buy. This is Royal Farms coffee. It's better because it's the freshest coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. C3 American Exteriors is the area's best and most trusted roof and siding specialist. C3 is also an insurance adjuster's worst nightmare and a homeowner's dream come true. With all of the bad weather, chances are you have some roof and siding damage. Call C3 American Exteriors now to get your roof and siding repairs for the cost of your deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. C3 guarantees a 48-hour rapid response. Call 401 
888-9797 or go to c3america.com for a free analysis. At Glory Days Grill, they have great food and good sports. Glory Days Grill is a sports-themed family restaurant with 39 restaurants up and down the East Coast. Watch all of the games on a ton of TVs, and each table has its own wireless speaker so you can tune in to whatever game it is you're watching. Find out more about what's happening at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill right now by going to glorydaysgrill.com. For more than 100 years, Chesapeake Employers Insurance has been helping Maryland businesses keep their workers safe. With competitive pricing and an AM Best, A-minus financial strength rating, it's no surprise that Chesapeake Employers is Maryland's largest writer of workers' comp insurance. At the end of every workday, someone's waiting for your safe return. Connect with your agent or visit CEIWC.com. Hi, it's Glenn Clark for Window Nation. The weather is warming up. The days are longer. Do your windows open to let the fresh spring air in? Are they old, cracked, and outdated? The spring rush is on for home improvement projects. One great way to improve the look, feel, and value of your home is with new windows. Act now, beat the rush, and Window Nation will give you 50% off every style window. Bows, bays, picture and garden windows, every style, every color, plus get 0% interest for 18 months. 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. Adam Cole. How are you guys doing today? And Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Oh, thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Damn. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Let's have Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at pressboxonline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Tweet us at Glenn Clark Radio, 21st Century Talk Radio at GlennClarkRadio.com. All right, back in here on GCR as we wind down for a Monday edition of the program. If you have not picked up the print issue of Pressbox, these are truly the final days. Today, tomorrow, that's it. Get to your neighborhood Royal Farms, pick it up there. On the cover, Brandon Hyde, Orioles manager, our lengthy Q&A, and then it's gone after tomorrow because on Wednesday the new print issue hits stands featuring John Means on the cover an interesting story about Chris Holtz taking over the Orioles pitching and John Means role within what it is they're trying to do so that's coming this Wednesday in the meantime got two more days to try to go get this one your neighborhood Royal Farms any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find Pressbox read it all pressboxonline.com Tidbit brought to you today by Home Team Masks. I'm wearing my Celebrate 8 MVP Net Gator today. That's available as well as the Purple and Orange State Flag Net Gator and the Faded Distress State Flag Over the Ear Mask right now. At PressBoxOnline.com slash masks. We're getting close. We, we, we can smell it. We're there. But we still need to do the right thing, and we're still required to. If like we want to go to baseball games this summer, things along those lines. So, pressboxonline.com slash masks to get your home team masks. Tidbit of the day. Well, the Orioles. Some good, 
mostly bad from the weekend. Mm-hmm. Worth mentioning, though, that, I mean, to their credit, after they started the season doing horribly, the Red Sox, that is, and scored only five runs in the first three games, they've since scored 47 runs in their next six. So, a bit of a difference. Uh, they didn't stop Cedric Mullins yet, though, as Mullins has a hit streak dating back to last September as his bat stays hot and he continues to pace the outfield, an outfield that saw a positive performance from one Ryan McKenna as well, as it was McKenna's well, debut this weekend, and in one of his games he tripled for his first major league hit. He joined the likes of Manny Machado, Matt Wieters, as well, one of five to do so. The other two, not quite as notable. Blake Davis and Cesar Devarez. Oh, well, if you would have, I would have gotten. Yeah. Any idea about the years for either of those? No clue. Not even a half Take a, a clue. Take a guess for Blake Davis. 1984. No. 1997. No. Tell me if I'm hotter or colder. Uh, you're hotter, I guess. 2006. No, hotter though. 2008. Hotter. 2013. Same depth. What? What, what does the same depth mean? Yeah. 2011? Correct. Okay. I don't uh, remember Blake Davis at nor all. Nor do I. Cesar Devrez was 96, so I'm surprised you don't remember him. Blake Davis? Yeah, me neither. I don't know. Who is that? Not somebody that I recall. Uh, of course, J.D. Martinez had three home runs in one game. Blake Davis. Play- <laughs> that was the only, only major league experience that he had was in 2011 with the Baltimore Orioles. He played in how many games? 22. 25. Ooh, 25 games. He collected 15 hits, including three doubles, that triple, and one career home Sounds run. Like he deserves I more chances. I don't remember him at all. J.D. Martinez had three home runs in one game. We don't really love when that happens against the Orioles, but impressive nonetheless. What if I were to tell you that since 2007, he is only the fifth hitter to have three home runs in one game all off non-fastballs. I'm not going to have you guess them all, but I will tell you the most recent two performances prior to Martinez came off the bats of former Orioles. Say that one more time. J.D. Martinez, three home runs on non-fastballs against the Orioles this weekend in one game. Right. Since 2007, he is the fifth player to do so. The most recent two were former Orioles. Were former Orioles. I mean, Nelson Cruz would make sense. He is the most recent as a whole, as August 3rd, 2019. I'm really trying to think of another former Oriole who would have hit three home runs at all in a game. Since when? Since 2007. Since 2000. I mean, I guess that, that casts a bit of a... But these are the most recent two. Yeah, I. What former Oriole would have hit three home runs in a game? Manny Machado? It is not. I mean, I guess that. Yikes. It's a former Oriole that would have hit three home runs in a game. And it happened to be on non fastballs. Mm hmm. Uh, uh, Mark Reynolds. No. Lola Lalo. Steve Pierce. In 2018, well, I, on August. I just don't remember ever hearing Steve Pierce Sox. hit three home runs in a game. Steve Pierce, indeed. All right. How about that? Tidbit was also brought to well, you today by. Yeah, I mean, I don't remember. I don't remember hearing that Jonathan Scope hit three home runs in a game. Marquez did it with the Orioles. Yeah, it was a while back. His rookie year. 
Yes. That was a while back. C3 American Exteriors also brought you tidbit. Call C3 to get roof and siding repairs for the cost of your home insurance deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. Give them a call, 410-401-9797, or go to C3America.com for a free analysis. Tubular brought to you by Window Nation. Act now. Beat the rush. Window Nation will give you 50% off every style window. Bows, bays, picture and garden windows, every style, every color, plus get 0% interest for 18 months. 866-90NATION or WindowNation.com. Orioles open up a series with the Mariners tonight, so I can only imagine that's going to be the focus of the baseball world, really. I'll be staying up till 2 every night. Well, this is in Baltimore. I'll be staying up till 2 every night. Well, that is unrelated. Then. Mm-hmm. It will be unrelated to the baseball. <laughs> Whatever you got going on in your life, that's fine. Justice Sheffield and Dean Kramer, your pitching matchup tonight, 7 on Masson. Nationals Cardinals, 745 on Masson, 2. Fox Sports 1 for Cubs Brewers, 740. MLB Network, Red Sox Twins at 2, and then late tonight, Reds Giants. NBC Sports Washington, Wizards Jazz at 9 o'clock, or Yaz, if you will. ESPN Sixers Mavericks, 730. Nuggets Warriors at 10. NHL Network, Blackhawks Blue Jackets at 7. NBCSN, West Bromwich Albion and Southampton at 1255. Brighton and Hove Albion, all the Albions in action today. Mm-hmm. Uh, Everton tasting Brighton and Hove at 310. The USA Network for the big post-WrestleMania edition of WWE Raw. Uh, your thoughts, Kyle, Roman Reigns, still the champion after the triple threat match last night. And they said Rome had fallen. Right? Right? That's what they said, and they were wrong. Any other thoughts you want to add? No. Okay. Well, I appreciate it. Didn't talk at all today. Oh, by the way, go ahead. Do non-sports quickly. Oh, okay. Non-sports. Uh, Curtin Kershaw is on Kimmel. Oh. I don't know. You said, you said, they said like Curtin Kershaw. Yeah, you know how that. Um, John Oliver's on Seth Meyers. New uh, crime documentary on HBO tonight. Called Pray Obey Kill. Check it out. Okay. Uh, stuff and things. Parkradio.com. Apparently, UMBC is prepared to announce their new men's basketball coach. I I don't know. I haven't even bothered doing any work on it. Like, I, really, I have not done any work in this at all. It's on me, and I apologize for that. Um, I would think that it would make sense for them to hire Griff Aldrich from Longwood, who was previously on the staff and went on to become the head coach at Longwood, but. I know a lot of people around here really want to see Bino Ranson get the job. I love Bino. That's my guy. I, I I, don't know. I have no idea. I really have no idea. I just haven't bothered to poke around at all, and that's on me. I apologize for doing no work on this since uh, Ryan Odom departed. But they are uh, they are saying on Twitter that they are ready, and they, that it will be coming, I'm assuming at this point today, will be when they are announcing their next basketball coach. All right. Uh, also, didn't talk at all about the uh, the disastrous replay situation at the end of the the Braves game last night. I mean, yeah, he didn't touch. Pretty right bad. Away. That's pretty bad. Um, we should be talking more about Ronald Acuna beating out a ground ball to shortstop. That's bat s bonkers. Yeah, he's quite good. All right. Thanks to everybody at or thanks today to um, Jeremy Kahn. Thanks also to Terry Hasseltine from Maryland Sports, Steve Sands from the Golf Channel, as well as Pat Fryermuth, Penn State tight end, potential Ravens target. We'll get all that up in the greatest hits section of the Archive. tab at glennclarkradio.com. Tomorrow on the program. Quinn Miners. Yeah, Quinn Miners is going to join us. He is the center from Wisconsin Whitewater that showed up at the Senior Bowl looking exactly the way that you would want an offensive lineman to look, like his belly hanging out of his shirt. It was amazing and then went out and kicked everyone's ass and put himself on the radar to be as high as maybe like a second-round pick in the NFL draft, despite the fact that no one had ever heard of him at that point, as the Ravens may still be in the market for a center. Um, We've been trying to reach out to a bunch of them. This is the first one we've actually gotten in touch with, so Quinn Miners is going to join us tomorrow. Dave Parker will join us tomorrow. Apologies to my father. 
Uh, of course, part of the 1979 Pittsburgh Pirates. Hell of a baseball player, Dave Parker was. Uh, I need to. I'm gonna unfortunately have to read a little bit of his book tonight, which I don't want to do either. But I'll do it because that's what the job requires. Um, he's gonna join us tomorrow as well. Stuffing things. Drew Forrester is not Tuesdays anymore. You tell me. I don't know what's he's going not. on. Okay. Stuffing things. Irons and fires. Stuffing things. Irons and fires. Thanks to everybody at Pressbox, all of our great sponsors and partners, the U.S. Army, Glory Days Grill, Window Nation, Royal Farms, Chesapeake Employers Insurance, Exxon Mobil, K&S Automotive, C3 American Exteriors, the Bradley and Nikki Bozeman Foundation, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Kyle Ottenheimer, Sad Lonely Man. Follow him on Twitter, at Ottenheimer. Follow us, at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Monday evening. Go Birds. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks, too.